I, I have I have more than once lost in a fighting game to like a six year old who is just hitting all the buttons. Right. That's how you know that fighting game sucks. Yes. By the way. <laughs> Take that fighting video games. Yeah. All right. Before we started recording, we started talking about what is in this glass, and literally sitting here, it's been wafting towards me, and my mouth just started watering. So, could you please tell us what we have here to sip to start the show? So we are starting hot with whiskey, um, Tasmanian single malt from Australia. That's so awesome. This is um, single malt that is grown in um, the Hellyers Road region of Australia. The um, road that leads to this town is named after the person who discovered it, and it's a bunch of farmers. And this distillery was started by a group of dairy farmers that were like, we've got some great terroir, we can grow some great things, we've got some of the cleanest water in the world. I bet we could make some really cool whiskey. Sure. Um, and it is... Um, I think the most awarded whiskey out of Australia. Uh, And I brought their original that is aged for 15 years in ex-bourbon casks. Wow. Okay, so this is, am I correct in that Tasmania is an island off the bottom, the southern coast of Australia? So is this in Tasmania or is it in Australia? It's Maybe. in Tasmania, but I it's an Australian whiskey. I'm well. I feel like because Tasmania is still a part of yeah, but it's Australia. a part of yes, correct. So it's I'm sure some of you are like screaming at the windshield in your car. I apologize that I I did not. This is this is the part of the podcast where I don't say anything. <laughs> so they're not mad. I'm at honestly you for not 100 sure. For sure, yeah. made in Tasmania and an Australian whiskey. So I feel like for well, better or worse, Australia. Has ownership of Tasmania. Yes, I do believe that that is true because New Zealand is its own country, but I believe Tasmania is still a part of, of greater Australia. All right. Uh, One of our Australian listeners is yelling at their. Yeah, and, and please right do. Now. Yeah, and then right afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I don't I <laughs> Tell me without state lines where Minneapolis I don't think I've ever had a whiskey from Australia. Really? I, I do. sincerely doubt I have. I've had rums. Thanks to three episodes sure. ago. Right. But uh, yeah, this is all right. Well, all right. here we are. Let's do it. Well, now that we've had a. Oh, wow. That is fantastic. That's like a little smoke, a little sweetness. And it just. Oh, wow. I thought that bottle said, hell yeah, when you first set it down. Hell like, yeah, Road. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that isn't from, <laughs> you sure that isn't from Kentucky? That's Stone, Stone Cold Steve Austin's new whiskey. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, uh, not yet. Not yet. Well, no uh, celebrities involved in uh, were harmed in the making of this whiskey. Yet. Um, yet. <laughs> Just, you know, some dairy farmers making some whiskey from Tasmanian grain. And, uh, you know, triple distilled. That's beautiful. Uh, completely wild yeast, natural ferment. Just... Well, for those of you out there that are thinking, I feel like I've heard this voice before, uh, you are correct. You have, you have heard this wonderful voice on a previous episode with uh, Tremaine from uh, CH Distilling, but uh, would you reintroduce yourself to our listeners and let them know uh, kind of what you're doing? Uh, I am Katie Dimmick, and 
what I'm doing. I mean, what I, what are you uh, doing? <laughs> sitting here really cozily. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> in, in this lounge chair with a bunch of bottles that uh, we all contributed to today's experience <laughs> together. Well, I believe, um, I believe you have a guiding hand in why uh, sure, some of these sure. are here, and in, a, in addition to a number of other spirits. I am the spirits portfolio director for New France dis, um, Distributor in Minnesota. So it's an independently owned distributor of wine for the last 29 years. And this year, they brought me on to add spirits to the portfolio. So I get to find hopefully really cool things that have not been in the Minnesota market before and convince them that they should be. <laughs> like our precious. Yeah. One of the like things. Like Malort. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, like a Quam didn't bother to specify you knew the listeners knew. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I, I feel like um, there is a, the thing is the products that you've brought now two episodes full are, are, incredibly unique is there do you have like a process for trying to find things like do you do do people seek you out is it you cruising around traveling trying to find stuff is it going down rabbit holes on the internet is reddit involved i'm fascinated <laughs> how like t honestly just thinking about like how a tasmanian 15 year whiskey ends up in front of you just to have the opportunity with which to buy it um, no Reddit so far, um, <laughs> but I'll let you know if I get there. Um, I have gotten really lucky um, with some of it. So like I said, New France has been um, selling wine in the Twin Cities and Minnesota for the last 29 years. And I think we have one of the most phenomenal wine books in the state. Can confirm. And some of our suppliers that we work with for wine also carry spirits in their books. And um, New France is a company full of really great people who value relationships. And so the relationships with those suppliers, uh, they just weren't bringing any of their spirits into Minnesota because they wanted to continue to work with New France. Mm. Um, and so when I came on to the job, I had a little bit of a head start where we have a supplier called Epicurean that works with some Australian wine that we already work with. Amazing. And so they had a small portfolio of Australian spirits that they sent on over. That's um, So that's how I started, um, was trying the things from the suppliers that we already work with. Um, and then I've always loved to travel. I've always, I came from a bartending background and I've always been really involved in the community, both here and on a larger scale, going to Tales of the Cocktail, being involved in the USBG and going to the regional conferences um, over the course of the last 10 years. And so making friends kind of all over the world. And so some of it's been reaching out and saying, hey, what do you have that's in your market what you that got? you really like? Mm. Um, which is a part of how, I mean, I've been familiar with Malort for a while. Um, Chicago is very close to here and being a bartender for a long time, you kind of can't escape it. <laughs> right. Um, and I was sitting at my friend Aiden's bar in Chicago last November, honestly, before I even had taken the job. Shout out to Aiden. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, I met him on a rum trip um, at a distillery that we'll taste later on in the show that I don't represent, but I just love it. Um, <laughs> and... We were talking about CH, and I 
you know, said, I, I want Malort. (laughs) And he said, well, you know, um, my friend Tony is the, um, GM over at their distillery room. You let me know if you end up, um, needing a connection there. And so I ended up taking this job and a couple months in, I reached out to him and said, Hey, (laughs) you know, about that Malort, that would actually be great. And, um, because I'm one of those weird, weird people who still calls people. He sent me co- Tony's number, and I just called him. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this is who I am. This is what I'm looking for. This is, you know, what I'm after. And Tony connected me with um, their head of sales for the Midwest, and we started emailing. And, you know, a very nerve-wracking five months later, um, they told me that they would let me bring it to Minnesota. So I, I, I have to feel a little bit of props for us, Charles, because in my job every day, uh, I go in and out of a lot of bars and almost every single bar that has brought Malort on. When I walk in to talk about beer, the bartender will run over and grab the bottle and bring it over to show me. And they'll be like, look, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, love, I love that our, our taste for Malort has reached that many people that they want to show it off. But also that nobody understands that I already know that it's here. It's always like they're showing me for the first time. Like, did you know? I'm like, yeah. And now you've ruined it by announcing that you know. I do know. So. I've seen it everywhere, too, which is yeah. exhilarating. The ubiquity of it is wonderful. I went and picked up some sushi on Sunday from Bosca, and he's plying his trade at cobble it's his pickup yeah and i'd never i'd never been in there first of all but the first thing i noticed oh. is they had malort i was like oh shit they got malort shout out to joe at the cobble house i a great human being that i worked with for a very brief time and we bonded instantly and seeing what he's doing with that space is fantastic it's one of those bars that makes me forget what city i'm in i love it love it there um Cobble was the first account I started calling on when I took this job. Amazing. It's one of those, I mean, I think the most valuable thing in this industry are relationships, Mm -hmm. and I can't say it enough, and um, their bar manager used to be my bar back. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Well, actually, that feeds into a question that I wanted to clarify a little bit, because I've been fortunate enough to be both a fan and a friend of yours for a while, or at least... I guess on my end, I'm hoping we're friends. (laughs) Uh, But I don't know, how, how did you get into the bar industry to start? Because you were just like, you were a figure in, in my world when craft cocktails started happening. But as I was driving here today, I realized, like, I have no idea how you ended up in this industry. Sometimes neither do I. Um, <laughs> fair, fair, <laughs> fair, fair, fair. being completely honest, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I feel like every choice I made just kind of kept going in this direction. Mm. I'm my very first, well, my first real job where I got a paycheck um, was in high school scooping ice cream at Crema Cafe, 34th and Lindale. Look out. Really great small batch gelato, you guys. It's still there. Yep. Um, We'll not talk about how long it's been there, but since I was in high school. um, (laughs) And I loved it, partially because of the free ice cream, but um, that was my gateway drug, was the ice cream and getting to see people in the neighborhood and... um, Went off to college in Duluth and needed a job and <laughs> served. Ended up bartending um, a number of places. Some, yeah. One some, scoop or two, you know. Yeah. 
Exactly. I know. It just really all translated. Um, yeah. And bartended through college. Can I, can I ask where? In Duluth? Um, so my favorite, Duluth Curling Club. Yes. That place is amazing. Um, was just such a good time. Um, all the intermissions for the hockey game, but also getting to watch the curlers pre, you know, Olympianism. If yeah. I think I might have just made up that I word, but go pre, with pre it. that. Um, we'll put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> and uh, Aces. Oh, wow. Uh, martini bar yeah. where uh, the martini menu was um, every color of the rainbow. Uh-huh. It was um, like... No no actual martinis were involved. Right. All, all, <laughs> many martinis were harmed, but, but none were involved. <laughs> a lot you of martini glasses. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was all just going to say it was just martini glasses. When you have... I, I don't know if it's still the same way, but I remember they had to put a picture of what each one looked like because people would just order... By the color that color, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the pink one. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, the pink one, the yellow one, the sex with an alligator. It's like yep. Jerris's, right? Give me the pinky, give me the green. Yep. No, they taste the same. I do. Approximately. I, I, <laughs> I get that that's what they were doing, but man, I have a tough time when people say, give me a purpley. That's just a. Purpley. 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 It's a weird purpley. word. That's, is that a thing? It's it's a thing. Yeah, there's a bunch of colors. Also, I mean, I've been there in a long time. Oh no, it's still a thing. This is a little. This is a dive bar in, in yeah. East Minneapolis. Yeah. here. But yeah. they have co- literally the cocktails are named from the color that they are. But yeah, I that I'm I'm very happy mm, that that. I didn't know that they had other cocktail. ones besides greeny. I've never made it past that on the menu. Ah, yeah. If you're really feeling confident, you could loudly order a bluey. Greeny was the OG, and there's like oh wow, is there like six of them? Yep. Five or six, probably. I think there's six, yeah. I mean, last time I was there, there was like five of them. There might be a dozen, for all I know now. You can How get a brownie, but that's a whole other thing. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, because right. edibles are legal. Yes. Yeah. So you were, you're were you at Aces, <laughs> and then when you came down to the cities? Um, you know, um, very broke with um, having accomplished no sense of direction in the time that I was at college. I um, was wandering around Uptown, uh, area where I grew up um that happens people actually do grow up in uptown um and i had worked out of high school hosting at the famous dave's the blues club oh yeah uh and the actual music venue yeah i loved it yes and i that was actually my first job up in duluth where i went to college is i was able to just transfer up there oh wow um and i i walked in um thinking you know i'm just saying hi seeing if anyone's still around and um my same manager is there on the floor. His name is Andy. Um, and he looks at me and he goes, are you back? And I was like, for now, he's like, great. I interviewed two people today and I don't want to hire either of them. Mm-hmm. Can you start next week? And I was like, yes. Amazing. I am not going to be broke starting next week. This yeah. is so mm-hmm. exciting. Um, and from there, it just kind of snowballed with um, networking and relationships i was working in uptown in my early 20s so i went out after working um and made friends with a bunch of the bartenders from uptown tavern and um a couple months into being back they we were all sitting at the cafeteria and (laughs) a bar that i opened uh they said we're hiring um this is back when you could say things like this we're hiring one female bartender for the (coughs) summer and um we would like for it to be you um you know like you we think we'd be able to hang out more and I was like that sounds like fun um high volume bartending let's go um it was kind of like the Duluth Curling Club but not um (laughs) so I started working there and 
that was a different energy. This is so and fascinating. Was, I did um, not know that. Such such a good time for my twenties. Yeah. Um, and I. I find that every time I move somewhere else, it's because I've gotten bored. Mm-hmm. It's like I, high volume bartending is, it is challenging and it is underrated and it is, um, it, I think it's a skill. And, 100% um, it it's, is. you get to a point where like, if you're doing it on autopilot, anytime I get to a place where I'm doing something on autopilot, it's like, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just cruising Craigslist and I, there's like an open call for interviews for a new place that's opening in the North Loop. And I happened to be free that day, and I walk in, and that was Parlor. That's amazing. Um, so again, exactly. I'm not sure how I ended up here sometimes, but I I grew up cooking. I grew up. My parents have always loved to cook. I've always loved food. Um, and so I, not knowing what Parlor was or what craft cocktails were or anything like that, I um, I started there. Uh, as a cocktail waitress part-time while still working at Uptown Tavern and um, worked up to being a bartender and absolutely loved creating cocktails and getting to play with flavors and it felt like um, like cooking but with more immediate gratification. Sure. <laughs> you can try the recipe and then try it again and then try it again and try changing the next thing and the way that I grew up cooking with my parents, it was always like you make a recipe and then it's like, okay, what would you change next right. time? Um, and that was always a conversation. And so I got to do that at a much faster pace. Um, yeah. That's, it's, it's such a similar trajectory for me. It's, that's fascinating. And that, that little chunk right there with Uptown Tav and Cafeteria and then Parlor Opening, that was the year that I moved away. And I came back and all of that was just getting going. Like Borough was just opening, Parlor was just opening, all that. So there was like, there was just a, I had been gone long enough that there was a little bit of like a paradigm shift and there was a whole new crop of bartenders and I didn't know where anybody came from. And <laughs> some of them vanished immediately, but a lot of them turned into like some of the people that I love the most in the industry. And that's, I thank you for filling that in actually. That's, that's amazing. That's wild. Also, I 100% agree. Volume bartenders will never get the shout out that they deserve, but I will tell you when you are knee deep in the well and you're wearing a boa of service tickets that's longer than anything Ric Flair ever had and you dig your way out, there's never been a more gratifying feeling in my life than when that last ticket goes down and you did it. And nothing took a half an hour. Like, you pounded through it. Oh, and the way that Parlor would get busy on the weekends and the way that we would just get completely crushed, I, don't, I can't think of a better way to have prepared for that. Then. Absolutely, because a lot of people that have incredible cocktail minds wilt when business like that hits. It's a whole different skill set to be able to not only do all that, but also not start screaming. Yeah. That kind of chaos. Either you lean into it or it breaks you. <laughs> I've always loved it. Well, Sometimes I miss it. Yeah. I, I, always, I always miss it from afar, and then every now and then I'll do a fill-in shift, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. My lower back is like, no, we don't, we don't play this game anymore. We did that for a long time. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you think, Charles? Should we have a sip and get into this? Yes, we should. All right. Well, cheers. Clanky, clanky, clank. My phone went to You're sleep. You're up first, Guam. Uh, here we go. All right. Uh, we're on the precipice of autumn. We've had some kind of fun fall vibes coming in, especially at night. 
been doing some bonfires in my backyard lately, and I've been loving it because it's my favorite season. Is there a dish or a drink that you associate with fall, autumn, uh, that you're excited to have back in your life as the temperature drops? Is there something that you look forward to, uh, whether it's a, a food dish that you cook or a drink or a genre of something that, that you dig when it gets a little cooler? I have an, a, something kind of along those lines, but kind of not quite. Sure. Um, I mean, take the question wherever you want. All like right. Um, so this time of year for me is um, I grew up and to this day, 90% of my grocery shopping is the farmer's market. I go every week. Sometimes I go to two. Mm -hmm. um, and this time of year, it's just like bounty. Like you can get the giant, giant basket of tomatoes or cucumbers or whatever it is. And so this time of year for me has always been a little bit less about any particular dish and more like this is when I'm turning like making a ton of tomato soup and a ton of tomato sure. sauce and making just big batches of everything that sounds fun like buy up all the herbs and make a giant thing of pesto and like take advantage of everything yes. that we have to offer when it's in season um so it's less certain dishes and more just like cooking as many things as I can find time for and get my hands on fuck yeah um do you go deeper into, like, the canning side of things, yeah, or do you go more into, like, the, a freezer? I have never been – I've never had the attention span for something quite that precise. Sure. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm more of a – I feel like everyone's a cook, but, like, not a baker. <laughs> mm, understandable. Not, not, like, whatever that differentiation is. I, um, I'm the person who looks at the recipe, and it's like, okay, well, what do I have? Yeah. The, my likelihood to follow a recipe as it's written is 10%. <laughs> my small forays into baking, it, it has to have the word rustic on top of it, meaning it will be not pretty and not perfect remotely, and it might taste okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, don't get me wrong, like, I... I enjoy baking too, but I think that's goes back to almost like cocktails. Like when you're cooking, when you've got something stewing on the stove, you can taste it and you can adjust it and you can taste it and you can adjust it. And with baking, it's like, well, hope it turns out. And I like, that's, I'm a tinkerer. I like to keep playing with things. I like to keep tasting things, I like to taste them as they evolve. So, um, I, I don't have that. Like that's canning for me is like, Cross your fingers. Mm -hmm. Let's see if you did this chemistry math right. If you explode, oops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I um, recently inherited a chest freezer. Yes. I'm really excited about yes. it. Um, so I'm, I'm a freezer of prepared things. Although if someone wants to teach me to can, like, I'll try it. Yep. That's the thing. Like, I'll try it and I'll do it for a season. And then I will not. <laughs> and then we're done. Um, I mean, I've done, like, chutneys and jams and stuff like that. Chutney. Chutney. Uh, um, they <laughs> end up in a million jars, and some of them gifted out, some of them in the back of the yep. fridge. It's, mm. yeah. I always pretend I'm going to, uh, like, when I make jam, I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat so much of this, and I'll have, like, a jar, and then the rest of them sit there forever. So they have to be gifts. I mean, I have pear chutney from last year, which is why, I mean, a part of why you guys now have pears. <laughs> yes. Uh, probably my favorite gift that we've been given in all these 60-plus episodes was a bag of pears. 
I'm so I'm we were, yep, we were just gifted some not bears. sarcastically excited. I am very excited about that. Um, yeah, they're uh, locally grown in South Minneapolis, in my Ooh. parents' backyard. <laughs> uh, and Heck it's yeah. uh, all the branches that hang over the garage. I try and clear off for sure because apparently it's bad to have all that weight on the garage. <laughs> <laughs> so and um, it's a good pun. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, you did it. I, not on purpose. You're a poet and you don't know it. Yeah. Again, all of your decisions, they're just leading you in this line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> leading me in the right direction. Charles, what about you? If we're talking about bountiful, the bountiful harvest of the present and the fact that things like corn, cucumbers, tomatoes, and the like are never going to taste the same, or at least it feels that way in a couple months, um, it it's a similar thing. Um, I'm a big pickle slot, so I'll be making a ton of pickles. I do like to can. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> what, pickle pickle slot? I just, I want you in like a really plain font, yeah. <laughs> like black shirt, white font that just says pickle slot. I'm picturing like a pickle sucking on a pickle. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, yeah I'll, so I'll be buying. Teach me how to can. Totally. For one year only. Easy. Absolutely. No, Ooh, it's. It, can I pay for yeah, this class just, as well? It's. <laughs> you do have to. You do have to use a scale. That's it. Yeah. Just. You, that. you just have to weigh. You have I've to. Got one weigh, of those. You just have to weigh sodium. That's it. Like you got to make sure your sodium content is correct, and then everything else just takes care of itself. Uh, so this time of year, I'll. I similarly would buy bushels of cornichons, because they're picking as many tiny cucumbers as they can and selling them as quickly as possible. So I used to be able to get a pint of cornichons for 10 bucks. Now I can get a bushel of cornichons for 10 bucks so that I can make like my little tiny French style pickles, super sours. I do hundred percent white vinegar. Shout out to my wife. I will be doing this for you. I promise. She, she, I have never met anybody who eats more cornichons than my wife. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. I do super sours. Um, and then I do slices too for burgers because I do both on and side for burgers. But if I'm thinking in terms of when the season actually turns, I do want to start baking more. And this isn't the first time I've brought this up, but I was just in Mexico City. Prepare yourselves, listeners of the show. I'm going to be bringing it up all the time. I told Kwame when I was there, I was like, here's the thing I'm going to talk about all the time, like an asshole. But uh, so there's... I didn't even know you it's went. Okay. It's okay. It's a lot harder for all of us when you go to Mexico in like January. If you yeah. go to Mexico in July, August, it's like, all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's a beautiful restaurant called Rosetta, and they have their own Panaderia bakery, and we went to it several times. We returned because Sammy Wadi and his beautiful wife, Sarah, have been there, and we were already planning on going, but they said, you have to get the blueberry focaccia. You have to get the blueberry focaccia. Okay. So we had to keep returning until we could get the blueberry focaccia, and the last time we went, we sat at the bar on the cafe side and Marnie asked in Spanish, do you have the blueberry focaccia? And they said, it's in the oven. And Marnie's like, it's in the oven. And I was like, I don't care how long it's going to take. We're waiting for the blueberry focaccia. And it was like 20 minutes, but it came out hot. It's actually like circular. It almost looks like a chocolate chip cookie. Okay. Funny enough, it's definitely brushed with a sugar and it has fennel seed on it. Yes. And fresh blueberries. Sweet and savory, baby. It, uh, yeah, it, it was tremendous. Yeah. It was it was tremendous. And Coma City says, "Show me your bloobs." bloobs the bloobs. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to Ben's wife. 
We're already getting weird. We've had one fucking one one spirit. Charles, I was born weird, man. I was born weird, baby. <laughs> so I I had just before departing, and I didn't know about the blueberry focaccia thing, um, or I'd forgot about it. I can't recall which, but I had just bought a pan specially for making focaccia right before I left because I keep adding projects on top of projects, and I was like, I want to make some like dope ass focaccia with different toppings and stuff. Now my mission is, especially because doesn't that sound like a great fall thing, like early fall, especially yes. when we're still able to access like some really nice locally grown blueberries, locally harvested blueberries. So that I guess that's what I'll say is that I want to, I want that flavor profile again. I can't do what they did, but right. that flavor profile in the fall, like with a hot cup of coffee, which I haven't had a hot cup of coffee in months because it's cold press season, but I want, I want also like a, a natural process Ethiopian that's already got blueberry characteristics. I oh. want a Chemex of that alongside like my version or attempt to do something similar to that, like some sort of a blueberry focaccia. In your best estimation, is it like a, like a, like a white refined sugar, like a brown sugar, like a demerara? Any idea what the sweetness was? It's, it's like a... Or is it like a glaze? It's clearly like brushed or it's it's some sort of like a syrup. They're making some okay. sort of like a simple syrup. Not like not, it's, not a crunch to it. No, okay. it's just the this slight stickiness, slight tackiness to it. So you can tell it's been brushed with some type of a, a syrup, probably one that they make. But it's just the faintest bit of sweetness, yep. just supplementing the blueberries. Because, you know, you bake a blueberry, sometimes it, it's not going to be perhaps as sweet as they intended. But overall, it's not terribly sweet. There's probably a little bit of flaked salt on there as well. And then just perfectly dotted with little pieces of fennel. Marnie isn't the biggest fan of fennel. That even to her leans into like anise characteristics. And I cut it in fours and she ate one of the four and said, you can have the rest. And I was like, don't mind if I do. <laughs> so when you make it at home, you're going to do it like half fennel or just like. All like fennel because then she's going to let me eat it. <laughs> I don't know. I might not even use fennel because I, I, I don't want I don't want to do what they did because I can't. But just the idea of doing a focaccia and then having blueberry on it. And then maybe I'll glaze it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. I'll, I'll play with it. Maybe ricotta. Maybe like a blueberry ricotta thing. It's I don't know. Year where you could get Focaccia fresh ricotta. That's just fun. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, what was that? Time of year where you could get fresh coriander seed. Yeah. Mm. That would also mm. be excellent. So I'll play with it. I could use rosemary. I could use ricotta. I could use a lot of directions you can go with it. Because again, I don't want to do, I don't want to try to do precisely what they did because then I'll just be mad. Right. Uh, side note, are you a pickle person? I am. I actually. I know you guys love fun restaurants. I went um, to a place called Half Sour in Chicago. Um, Charles, we're going. For lunch yesterday. And they do, um, like, the first thing on their appetizer menu is a half sour or a dill. And they have, it's pickles that they make in-house, and it's either full-on mm. dill or ones that are half-pickled. So it's, like, kind of halfway between your, your cucumber and your pickle. Yes, I want to go. Um, so we got them both. And they were delicious. Mm. One of those things where you keep going back and forth and you're like, I like this one better. No, no, no. I like this one better. And I still don't know which one I like better. <laughs> you're just Goldilocksing it, but you never find the perfect one. You just keep going back and forth. You just like them both so much. Yeah. Like, I feel bad saying I don't like one of them. It's like, how do you choose? Do you have a, do you have a favorite pickle slash application of a pickle? Is there like, this is where a pickle shines the best for me? Because I feel like people get kind of passionate about it. Oh, just... 
Like, yeah. is there, like, if so I had to if, pick... If you're saying, like, a pickled cucumber? Like, like, is there a scenario, like, whether it's dill or bread and butter or straight vinegar or whatever, mm-hmm. and then in its application by itself or on a meal, is there, like, a this is the perfect pickle for you me? You already know my answer. I'm, I'm going to guess Super a... Super sour on a burger. Yep. A, was, on a smash burger. Yep. Perfect counterpart to a greasy-ass smash burger. I have a favorite pickled thing. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. So it used to be made at Gist back when that was open. Oh, um, R.I.P. But there's um, a local um, person, and she has a company called Kiss My Cabbage. It's a beautiful name. Love it. Um, and she does a curry kimchi-style sauerkraut. Dope. And so, fuck me. All right. Um, she, what they served at Gist, it was actually her um, kimchi style sauerkraut. And um, it was a piece of bread with peanut butter and her kimchi style sauerkraut. And I like a piece of toast with almond butter and the curry kimchi. It's one of my favorite things to eat. Peanut butter and pickled things. Or nut butter and pickled things. Yeah, nut butter and pickled things. And that little bit of spice. And then those curry flavors. I want that um, so bad. One of my favorite things. You literally just made my my stomach just growl. You can get it all at the the Mill City Farmer's Market. I'm just here plugging away for the farmer's markets. In Lebanon, they pickle everything. Like, they'll they'll pickle anything. They call it cabisse. If you open a fridge door anywhere in Lebanon, everything's pickled in there. If I had to pick my favorite pickled thing, it wouldn't be a cucumber. It'd probably be beets. I love pickled beets. Sure. Like, I could eat a whole giant jar of pickled beets just in one sitting. And then you got to tell yourself, Charles, you ate beets. Charles, you ate beets. Charles, you Because the next day, you, you're confused. <laughs> oh, like, there's, nothing, there's nothing more frightening than what you... <laughs> I, like, <laughs> to all of you people out there, I, I hope every one of you has had that experience where that you just... vitamins. <laughs> yeah, you just look or down... Pepto. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's nothing. There's nothing more frightening than it's always just a split second. But your blood goes absolutely cold when you look down. And you see, <laughs> like, oh that. no, I'm dying. Yeah, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dying. Well, that's the end of me, mom. <laughs> <laughs> for for a long time, my favorite. I I used to hate pickles on burgers, and then as your taste buds change and what you get into changes, I now would almost do an equal portion of burger to pickle, like. Sour tart dill pickle is my jam, but uh, recently I did uh, uh, on National Hot Dog Day in July. Uh, I did an event with uh, a good friend and colleague uh, Pat, who owns a bar here in Minneapolis called Grumpy's. And Chicago style. So I was making Chicago style hot dogs, mm-hmm. and Pat was making a hot dog that he called the Red, White, and Blue Dog, which is a hot dog uh, that is simmered in uh, Valentina hot sauce and then butterflied, and then uh, white mm. onions and blue cheese in the middle. So red from the hot sauce, white from the onion, Third blue from blues, the blue cheese. With some hell yeah whiskey. Correct. <laughs> That's right, brother. Uh, and I took the hot sauce simmered hot dog, grilled it till it was charred a little bit, and I just did that with a dill pickle spear. And then a little bit of blue cheese on top. Did and you fit it perfectly into the One hundred percent, I did. <laughs> it made a bigger dog because it completed yeah, like the circle. If the form, one hundred percent. Thank you for understanding. Yes, I completed my Pac-Man. The missing piece was found. Thank you, Shel Shel Silverstein. Uh, it was sublime, and it because it was like 
you had the vinegar from the hot sauce, and you had the charring of the sugars that was in that were in there, and then you have the crunch of the pickle, and then the blue cheese to just kind of funk and cream the whole thing up. That might have been the best hot dog that I have ever had. Sound like James Beard describing a hot dog is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was everything about it was it was just fantastic, and that kind of like now I'm I'm reframing things and i don't normally i've done sweet relish every now and then but i don't normally put mm. pickles on a hot dog unless it's a chicago dog and i'm like no we gotta reframe so i'm gonna go do some runs this winter through Kamarchex and just go sausage after sausage yeah. with different pickled things <laughs> for sure sorry what are you doing Mr. yeah Jared? that's right just don't sausage buy your, after sausage don't buy your pickles there unless you like Sweet pickles. Yeah. Polish pickles are really sweet, and I fucking hate them. I feel like we've talked about this before. Sweet pickles need to be a different color. If we're already going to make them sweet, just put a little dye in there. color code this? Yep. If you're going to put pickles out, PSA here. If you're going to put pickles out, and you're going to make them fucking bread and butter, then you may as well dye them pink. If they taste like a high C pickle, make it look like high C. Make it look like high C. Get out. But bringing it back to the autumn question... I'm, I'm very, very similar to you in the fact that this time of year signals hatch chili season for us that aren't anywhere near the Hatch Valley, and that is the start of soup season for me. So what I do right now for the next month or two is prepare my fall into winter, and it's go and get everything delicious that you can. Get the best tomatoes, get the best vegetables, get all that. And then I am a, again, because it's just easier, uh, I have reams and reams of quart deli cups downstairs. Same. Ex- I sleeves and sleeves. Yep, absolutely. Like, sometimes I bust one out and I drink, like, soda water or ice water out of it just to make me feel like I'm still in the service industry. But most of the time... Nostalgia. Absolutely. Uh, it's still, to this day, the best drinking vessel that Shrink I've ever had. Drinking pickle juice. Yeah, I mean, also done that. But uh, but that's it. Like, it's it's... I'm almost excited now because I'm prepping myself for soup season. And... Every time it's like, well, what new thing are we going to throw in there? Which, which new one? Like we already have, there's a tomato and then there's a tomato red pepper and then there's split pea. And uh, obviously I make all the chili that I can. My goal is to start this cold season with 20 quarts of green chili chilling in there. And then I can just slowly ration them. But it's take the ingredients now and eat them fresh too. Don't get me wrong. Reward yourself. Because as Charles said, like these are the best window that we're going to get in the north of, of a lot of these vegetables right. and fruits. But then also, give yourself some love for posterity. Like, throw it in there and then bust it out when it gets bleak in December or January. And I 100% preach the gospel of the chest freezer. Like, it's only for big proteins and for food that I prepare that we're freezing. Well, and then when you it can, gets dark at 4 o'clock, like I get home, it's already dark. Yep. How much do I want to do? Yeah. Thaw a deli of soup. Yep. That's, yep. that's my level Can't of do. motivation. What's that going to be? Just a bunch of delicious, warm goodness just coating my entire insides while I feel empty because I haven't seen the sun a whole lot? Yep. Let's go. It also takes the same amount of, almost the same amount of time to make a lot of soup and make a little soup. Yep. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm the person who I mean to make a certain amount of soup and then I just keep adding things. <laughs> um, and all of a sudden it is so much soup. It's like the size of the vegetables. I'm like, they'll cook down. They're still the same size. The same size. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, when I make sick soup, you know, like soup that you're going to feed your wife when she's not feeling well, I make a five-gallon pot. Yeah. I'm not going to make a single contain, you know, I'm not going to do like three quarts of soup that's just 
ridiculous. I mean, how do you get all the things it. you want? That's the thing about farmers market shopping, though. Like you, oh, yeah. you're not buying two carrots. <laughs> for sure. Here's a bushel yeah. and another bushel. Here's and forty carrots bushel. for one dollar. Can I pay you more? Like, I don't. Why'd you give me so many carrots? <laughs> so many. Please carrots. take these. <laughs> Someone needs to buy. Them. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, Katie, what should we drink next? Um, Ooh. How do you guys feel about some cognac? Let's do it. Ooh, cognac. I've been made little, by 50. Yeah, exactly. I've been on a little cognac kick. And uh, most recently we had... Uh, by being on a cognac kick, he means he's been like solo doming a bottle of cognac from 50 Cent. Oh, well, there was that. But no... Uh, <laughs> Uh, in a weird Russian bottle. Remy uh, 1738 <laughs> uh, has been making an appearance. And okay. uh, fuck, there was one other one that somebody brought over and just left me the rest of the bottle. It's fantastic. Ooh. A pour across the floor. So what do we got here? Um, so we are drinking a cognac from Fanny Fougera. Um, she... Her family is fourth generation cognac producers, but she is the first one to create and bottle cognac in her family themselves. So they always sold to negotiants, sure. essentially like people buy up juice and bottle it. A lot of your big name brands are going to be sourced from families all over cognac. Um, Ooh, and yes, please. to my knowledge, um, she is the only female owner, grower, producer of cognac. That is spectacular. Um, and what she does is essentially she's been compared. What she does is similar to grower-producer champagne in the way that she produces her cognac. So um, she is doing single vineyard, single harvest, single cask cognacs. Um, <laughs> I think somewhere, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys just heard that, but there was a pop and that was Paul <laughs> Hennessy's pants just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this, um, particular one, her, uh, Laurier d'Apollon is, um, a 2010 harvest and everything that she makes is age 15% in new oak for one year and the other 85% and the rest of the years are all in neutral oak. So oh. very little oak intervention yeah. at all and no dosage, no filtration, oh. Just no intervention. She really believes in letting the terroir express itself, letting the grapes express themselves. And this is in um, Petite Champagne Shit. region of Cognac, this particular um, vineyard. Would so this is um, a 10-year age, but with very little actual oak interaction. Would you allow me to pour just a little bit more of that? This oh, that is, is so This good. is fucking spectacular. You can have as much as you want. That's, yeah, that's exceptional. Oh. It's very common in cognac to add dosage, which is essentially back sweetening. Um, and it's, it's traditional. It's you're a lot of times making... Um, a local sugar syrup and even aging it in barrel so that when you marry it with your cognac, um, it blends seamlessly. And that's a part of cognac culture and history. Um, and she just, uh, she really wants the grapes to speak for themselves. She, this is bottle 192 of 466, even when she's got multiple casks that come from um, a vineyard from harvest, she'll still bottle them as single casks just to Amazing. like, 
this is what this tastes like. This is like it's truly breathtaking. And um, when you have something that tastes like this, why would you want to add any dosage? Like, that's beautiful. It has a nice lingering sweetness. Yeah. Holy shit! Thank you for bringing that. Mm. All right, I'm up to bat. You are. All right, Katie. Everyone has one person. Who in your life are you funniest around, or who do you make laugh the hardest? <laughs> I don't want to go first. <laughs> I have to think about this. All one. right. Okay. So it's who do I make laugh the most? Yeah. Okay. Like, there are certain people in my life that I feel like I can grab a mic and walk around the room uh -huh. when I'm around them, and I'm just naturally funnier because I don't know what it is, but the dynamic between us makes it so that it seems like everything I'm saying is the funniest thing that's ever been said. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, just, <laughs> just because of the amount of time that we spend around each other, I think that my wife is an easy example because our relationship was literally built on making fun of each other. And 11 plus years in, we're still doing that. And like, if I can get she her- She laughs at your dumb jokes? She, she does. She'll even get mad at herself for laughing because she's like, God damn it, I shouldn't laugh uh, at that. See, that's the only time Arnie laughs at my jokes is when she doesn't mean to. She's like, shit. <laughs> but <laughs> when, I, when I can get Jenny going, that's, it's the greatest thing ever because her laugh was like the second thing that I noticed about her. The first, well, anyway. anyway. Uh, but if I had to pick somebody that wasn't like stuck with me day in and day out, uh, uh, longtime listener and at some point future guest of the podcast, uh, Abe Popowitz, man, <laughs> I don't know what it is about. I, I have like the cheat code to getting him to laugh. And when I can get him to actually like double over and like not be able to breathe, it's my favorite thing ever. And it's, there's something like we were, <laughs> we were, uh, we were recently up North uh, on a trip, and um, we were—it was a, a surly event. There's a huge country fest in northern Minnesota called We Fest, and Abe volunteered to work uh, this event with me. We had like 11 people up there, and there were a lot of people that had never heard of Surly Brewing, and there were a lot of people that would say it as Shirley, and <laughs> they would just say Shirley over and over. And like, for, sometimes we correct them. Sometimes it just wasn't worth it because they were blacked out at 10 a.m. But on the way in on the second day, there was a bar that was hosting an event for somebody that was, had been a longtime employee that was leaving. And the sign, like the, the, the click where you, you click the letters in, like the giant letterboard sign, just said, thank you, Shirley. And I slowed the car down as we went by and I rolled the window down and I just went, it's surly. <laughs> and I rolled it back up and everybody was a little hungover and everybody was quiet. And it took like two seconds. And I honestly thought Abe was going to die. Like, it's <laughs> like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I don't know. It was just, I kept hearing Shirley the whole time. I saw the sign. I mean, honestly, that one was for me. And the fact that anybody yeah. else laughed, like, great. <laughs> but that's, uh, I love, I love, our dynamic anyway, because uh, size-wise, we are so disparate. And the fact that we laugh at the same dumb shit is amazing. And I can send him the, the most offensive meme or the dumbest dad joke or whatever, and we just giggle. Like, I, I love everything about that. And if you can, like, once you start riffing, then it's the best, because then it's almost like a competition. 
And I feel like, I feel like, Ooh, I'm, I'm well trained for this. Here we go. So that's, that, that, that would have to be mine. Did that spark anything for you, Katie? Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's, um, I've got a group of college friends and it, it was a toss up cause it's, e- it's either them or, um, um, two of my good friends, Ann and Megan, who I did, um, the Queens cocktail club with, mm. but I think it's, it's people who know me really well and have spent a lot of time around me because I, um, I don't have a poker face, but <laughs> I can also be really dry. Yeah. Your dead dad is little, ridiculous. A little snarky, and I've got a, a fair amount of resting bitch face. And so my humor, I think there's a fair amount if you don't know me well, or it's like, is she serious? Yeah. Are we supposed to laugh at this? Is she just <laughs> actually a bitch? And it's um, so the people who know me really well and know that, like, I am just joking and I am just having fun. And um, so that's um, I have a group of college friends where. You know, we've now known each other for, we'll go with over a decade. And <laughs> some time. Some, so for some time over a decade and just know each other so, so well that um, I think for me it's when I can just like, I, I'm not thinking about anything and I can just completely let go and be myself and be a little snarky and be, I don't know. So probably with them. That's, um, that's the key when someone... Yeah. Allows you to be sort of naturally humorous. Yeah. And then, yeah, with Ann and Megan, um, we've worked together behind the bar, and there's a certain amount of bonding that happens there. And then with the Queen's Cocktail Club and, like, being with each other in so many different dynamics, um, we know each other really well, and it's a really fun dynamic. And, um, yeah, I think... There's a, always a lot of laughter anytime we get together, and I'm never really sure what we're laughing about. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's impossible. I, I I think all three of you, it's impossible to not kind of like laugh when you start going. It it really is, it's a it's a thing to behold. Like I love your deadpan is still my favorite though. Like when some of we've we've had some stressful events that we work together, <laughs> and. Sometimes I don't even know if you're saying it for anybody else or if you're just saying it for yourself, but you'll like mutter mm-hmm. something and that's the shit that'll just kill me. Like I'll be walking away and it'll register with me and I just have to like take a step, second, like just laugh and take a deep breath and be like, fuck God, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, what about you? It's, historically, it's, it, it's always, it's gotta be my little brother, you know, just oh, of I, course the first person to make him laugh and it, he, he, Bust out in stitches over the most ridiculous stuff. Like I, I still do sometimes do this, but sometimes I'll make I'll I'll do a really loud belch and I'll say the word yes as I'm belching, and it's still every time every time I do it he laughs his ass off, and then of course the dynamic between friends is Brandon who's frequently referenced on the show and an old friend of mine Tommy when the three of us are together we we definitely go at each other and we have like these old jokes that we've always told, but the one person that. Um, in my life who's been a friend of mine for a while and is a frequent listener of the program that he just like sits and listens but like dies of laughter of pretty much anything I say and it just it it encourages me probably more than I need to be encouraged because (laughs) I'm the type of person you shouldn't encourage in a lot of ways and that's one of them uh his name is Andy Robertson um when I start going around him I literally feel like 
I could grab a mic and there's like a little bit of feedback and I just start walking around his kitchen, yep. cracking jokes. And he's in absolute stitches, like falling off a stool, laughing at the shit that I'm saying. And it makes me feel really good about myself too. So it's sort of perpetual, mm -hmm. the perpetual motion of me saying something kind of funny, him laughing harder at it than he should, and me getting a big head about it, and then saying something that's probably actually a little funnier, and then him just dying of laughter, and he's probably a little drunk or drinking martinis in his kitchen or something. Yeah. Once, but, you, once, you, once you start pulling at that thread, you got to keep going. Yeah, no, I, and I, I, I love that about him, that I can just kind of do this mediocre amateur 20-minute stand-up act, and he'll just be dying with tears in his eyes of the dumb shit that I'm saying to him. I, I love being around people like that, too, mm. that just, they want to feed into it. Uh, I've always had several friends like that, but that's the one that comes to mind when I think of, like, someone who just laughs really hard at pretty much anything mm. that I'm saying in a given evening. I think you guys both hit on, on something that, that is really important, too, is when you have that shorthand with a group that you've known forever. Like, the more that I think about it, the, the $400 barbecue guys, like, Kate, I don't think you've made it to any of those, but Charles, you've been to one or two? Four. Four? I don't even know anymore. We've done 19 of them, and uh, it's the same. DNA, that private yeah. room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that, because you were, like, getting over an illness when we did that the private room one. Oh, yeah, that was when I had Lyme. Yeah, yeah. oof. Uh, but it's the same. It's, it's four of us started, and then there's a fifth, and we've been, we've been working together is how we met, and then we've been cooking together. It's the one reason that we all get together. And we've been doing it for 19 years, and all of us are extroverted. All of us talk a lot. All of us have the same sort of references when it comes to movies because we're all within five years of each other. And that's like we got together because we wanted to start the prep the night before so we could have most of it done, and then the day of we didn't have to do as much. And that literally – working out? Oh, it's great. I mean, there's a horrible hangover every day when the <laughs> barbecue starts. But the night before, it literally has evolved into just six hours of improv. Because with that many people, there's never, there's, no one is, is the stand-up. It's everybody just vibing off of each other. And uh, recently, we, a lot of us went to France together uh, for my 40th. And some of those pictures and videos have been coming up because we, we had a friend of ours come with who's an amazing professional photographer and he had started sending them out right around now and so it'll pop up in our like memories and holy fuck, like there are so many videos of like the, the <laughs> camera clicks on and three of us are already crying, we're laughing so hard and somebody's going and then they'll crack themselves it's up. Beautiful and thing. Then, oh man, yeah. that, that sort of baton passing when you can have a group mm -hmm. where A, you all trust each other enough to like know that if you say something maybe over the line, it's not intentional, it's part of the game, but then also to just understand each other enough to know how funny you saying something like that is or you referencing something like that is and like you know maybe taking some digs at things that like a stranger i would fight them for saying but because we all care about each other like and yeah. because i know you and i know i know the intentionality behind Correct. what you're saying yeah it, it's more of like a friars club roast at that point but we're not even making fun of each other all the time we're making fun of everything well when you have friends like that too you not only do you speak like one another you have similar terms of phrase and you kind of speak similarly but you also have almost unexplainable inside yeah. jokes and phrases like brandon and i instead of saying exactly we say clementine and it's because 
at some point people started saying egg Zachary, right? <laughs> so egg, and then like I don't know where this came from, but I said like I think I said Clementine Steve one time. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So then that turned into shorthand. We say Clementine. Mm -hmm. So if someone's singing exactly, we just go Clementine. Everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> we, uh, we have a very similar one. Uh, there was a, uh, we were, this is, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, somebody had brought a bottle of Michael Collins whiskey, and we had moved from the kitchen downstairs and one of the guys showed up late, and he, we threw him a beer, and he's like, oh, where's the whiskey? And Steve was like, oh, it's upstairs. And this was a house that he had never been in before, so he's like, <laughs> just like somewhere upstairs. And I was a few in, and I was like, go upstairs and just yell, potato, and the big fella will find you. And for whatever reason, that hit everybody. So now the joke all of that doesn't okay. exist anymore, mm. but every now potato. and then, whenever somebody brings out a bottle of whiskey, someone else will just yell potato, and then it just <laughs> goes, and we all laugh. When you get that shorthand with people, it's the best, because I don't have to explain all that. We can just hit the punchline and then go to the next joke, and you go, and you go, and you go. It's like referencing movies, only the movie is your friendship. You know, you're calling, calling back your favorite punchlines from just other dumb shit you've done. <laughs> I want more of that. <laughs> Gotta do, love it. Do you want to ask the inverse of that? Of like who? No. Okay. No, that was that was the fallback plan. I always got a fallback plan just in case you're like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, I'll move along to topic number three, which is still yep. me. Yeah, I, I say let's cheers it. I don't want to slam this because it's really good. Nor do I. We'll, so when this is done, we'll, we'll make we'll our progression. If that's all right with you. Yeah. This is absolutely. This is really spectacular. Well, cheers. Here's the and are these. All the things that we're talking about available in our market currently here in the Minnesota Three area? Three of the things I brought are. One of them I don't represent. I just brought it. So fuck you. <laughs> they will all be in the description um, and wherever you're located, you can see if they're yeah. around you. But I would encourage you to seek out this cognac. It's fucking fantastic. Yep. Eat your heart off 50 cent. This is way better than your <laughs> shit. Fuck you, Branson. Um, Branson Royale. Finest? Okay. Branson. Yeah, it's a, it's a slightly different um, bottle style. Yes. Yes. Okay. It's I notice it. I notice it doesn't look like a Russian Orthodox church. Exactly. <laughs> I kept trying to rub it, but a genie never came out. I don't oh. know. Not even by the end of the show. Nope. We'll see how much we drink. Maybe if we get to the bottom, a genie will pop out. All right, Katie. According to you, does pineapple belong on pizza? Why or why not? Hot take. Not really. <laughs> I guess I, I like pineapple on a pizza. I have a hard time finding things that I don't like on a pizza. Um, okay. But my partner has an expression that is, don't yuck my yum. Absolutely. We say that on the program. I think uh, Meaty said that yep, originally said on the that. show. Yep. And so, I mean, it's your mouth. Put whatever you want in. Legit. Um, <laughs> so Republicans. <laughs> your mouth, your choice. Um, yeah, I, I like pineapple on a pizza. I, I tend to not, I don't have a sweet tooth. Um, I'm lean more savory, but I like balances of flavor i always like flavor combinations and so that's a way to introduce a new flavor and i like spicy so the if i add pineapple that means i can go spicier um mm. 
Yeah, I think that anything you want should go on a pizza. I think that, you know... People just Such get fired a, up about the pineapple. People get so fired up about the pineapple, and it's just, you know, just... And really only recently... The thing recently. about a pizza, you, you can build it however you want. Only put it on half. Like, you don't have to have pineapple on your pizza. Why do you care what's on my pizza? <laughs> it didn't used to be shameful. You know, you just be like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to eat this one instead. But somehow in the last several years, it's become a hot-button topic. Yeah, it's because people are always trying to find something that they could post a video of to get more likes like what about this like fuck it i i, I agree with you 100 percent. i will admit <clears throat> that when i am craving like a pizza in that like i'm a little hungover from the night before i want something greasy to convey uh, a little bit of i feel better into me i i don't go for pineapple on pizza but that's my own personal choice because i just love a sausage and pepperoni with a shitload of cracked red pepper but that's me craving a thing. If I'm just looking at pizza in general, the only reason that I don't order it normally from like a, like a, a Domino's or a Pizza or a Papa John's or whatever is I don't like giant hunks of hot fruit. Well, like we, if, we got a slower roll in the Papa John's. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like basically fast food <laughs> pizza restaurants. I don't order it normally because I don't care for those giant chunks of, of hot fruit. If there's a fruit <laughs> pie in front of me, like an apple pie, I will wait till it cools because I don't care for like a giant wedge of hot apple. I don't know why. I just, I don't, mm. I don't care for the texture. But what I figured out uh, through a local pizza restaurant here in the Twin Cities was if I want to make that at home, I will actually like blend up mm. fresh pineapple with a little bit of rum and then cook it down a little bit. And then I'll drizzle that shit all over it. And then it's, then throw some jalapenos on there, throw some sort of a salted meat, uh, whether it's a salumi or, or um, what else have we done? We've done, um, well, pepperoni, um, pechetta. Like, give me that all day long. That's delightful. I love the sweetness, the saltiness, the spiciness all together. A sharp, really So it's a distribution of flavor situation. Correct. I mean, how long until someone makes pineapple ranch? <laughs> but then we go backwards because I hate ranch. <laughs> I just don't want it. Uh, but that's, that's it for me. And I agree with you, Katie, that put whatever the fuck you want on there. If it's good for you, then eat it. And if anybody's mad because you like something that they're not being forced to eat, then they're fucking stupid. I've always really enjoyed finding things that other people don't like that I like. Yeah. Kind of like you were saying about the fennel. It's like... Marty doesn't like fennel, and so you got three pieces of that focaccia. Mm -hmm. I order a pineapple pizza, and you don't like it. Guess who gets a whole pizza? Correct. That's, like, my wife and I, like, her her favorite thing on earth is pepperoni, uh, jalapeno, pineapple pizza from whatever Jenny delivery. You, yeah, the Jenny Special. Like it's affectionately referred to in our household. 100%. That's her jam. And sometimes I'll eat half that pizza. Sometimes if I'm craving just a straight sausage and pepperoni, I will just get my own. And then she gets a whole pizza to herself. Just depends on the day and how I'm feeling. But I think that with everything, like also, newsflash Chicago, I'll throw ketchup on a hot dog sometimes because I want to. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I want a spicy mustard. I think that if you make stringent rules because it's only supposed to be one way, it almost makes me want to put whatever on more. I like, like trying different flavor combinations. Yeah. It's different flavor combinations. 
They don't. And and no one has invented a better place to combine flavors than a pizza. You correct. can throw anything you want on there. Correct. I like the more the more rules we make. It's just people wanting everybody to only like the thing that they like. Like, uh, sorry, I. The fact that there was, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when chicken and waffles first started having its, like, national moment, obviously it's been around for, for decades, you know, going back, as far as I know, going back to, like, the Chitlin Circuit in the South. Um, it started having its moment, and then there were people that were like, no, it's, like, a crime to put, like, syrup on top of fried chicken. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? That It's amazing. Like, <laughs> have you tried it? Just because you thought that there was some rule that somebody else told you, like, if it's good, awesome. If it's not, then don't order it. Also, it comparatively to everything happening in the world, why are we upset about pineapple? Correct. Because <laughs> we got bored of arguing whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich. <laughs> uh, I mean, Charles, is it a taco. Yes, I, I, I will. <laughs> I one night I got like really adamant about trying to force that thing. Like, it's taco. Does that make you feel better? There's protein inside of something that wraps around it. I don't, just, can we stop? Like the David Chang thing. It's like, is, is a dumpling a ravioli, is a pasta? Yeah. Is it good? Then yeah. eat it. Done. Yeah, Next. I don't care to partake in those thought exercises. And it also sort of leans into my answer about anything like this is, I like what I like and I don't care if anyone else likes it. Even if they're actively, like, looking down their nose at me, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. Um, I'll eat pineapple on a pizza. I love the Jenny special. Mm -hmm. You know, depending on your mood, you want a different thing at a different time. When we order a pizza, I don't, when I'm about to order a pizza, I almost never already know what I want. Mm -hmm. It's, you got to go through the list of ingredients and then you're deciding as, you know, you're the pizza chef. You're like, oh, what am I going to put on this pizza? I, I love that exercise, being able to select what I want. So yeah, of course I like it. The thing that confounds me is that someone will say never put pineapple on a pizza but they like to eat el pastor tacos <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> well hang on buddy yeah. hang or on pineapple fried rice or right. yeah. what's the curry that has pineapple in it there there are several curries but like yeah. a specific i don't know like I've a seen specific type sure yeah. that has the pieces of pineapple in it mm -hmm. yeah uh, i i the, and pineapples and a lot of stuff. It's a great tenderizer. It's used often to tenderize meats because of the yeah. enzymes in it. So it's probably in a lot of things that people don't even understand that it's in. And they'll guffaw at someone eating a slice of pepperoni and, and pineapple. I don't, I mean, you can look at it this way. I don't like Canadian bacon. I think it's weird and flabby and it doesn't really work that well for me on a slice of pie. But when... I was a kid, that was one of the pizzas we always ordered because Tony loved it. Mm -hmm. And sure, I'd eat a couple slices because it's pizza. Pizza's great. So I'd just eat it. It didn't really, it wasn't like I hated it so much that I wouldn't eat any of it. I just preferred the sausage and mushroom or the just straight pepperoni. Those were more my jam, but I would still eat a slice or two of the, the Canadian bacon, yeah. um, which is basically ham and pineapple like the crappy dole pineapple that you would find on most pizzas it it's it's good it scratches an itch especially if you're alternating and you're mm -hmm. getting like that little bit of sweetness to counteract like the super fatty spicy notes that you're getting from the other pizza yeah. like it enables you actually to eat more pizza <laughs> that was actually what got me on board with it i i just i had had it like the hawaiian 
special or whatever mm, a couple times right. when I was younger, and I was like, yeah, not my thing. It was when I went a little too nuts with the Tabasco and the cracked red chili, and I was looking over at my wife's pizza that had pineapple. I'm like, oh. Like, my mouth feels like that would really help. Mm. And it 100% did. It would be and then counterpart, yeah. going back and forth between the two, it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Because then each piece was like a new exploration into where my palate wanted to go. If you're ordering a good pizza from a good pizza restaurant, they're not always going to use, like, the funny little triangles of canned pineapple. For instance, a local pizzeria here that I absolutely adore, um, Black Sheep, if you order pineapple from them, and it's not one of their already prepared menu items, but if you decide you want to do a pineapple and pepperoni from them, they do like, it's like full ring, super thin slice. That's yep. all across the pizza. So it's like baked into the pizza. It's an element that sort of commingles with every bite that you take. And, and it's fresh pineapple. distribution. Correct. Which is, again, is that, a big portion. And then Ben gets his flavor distribution. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, no, and it's, it's thin too, and it's not super wet because it wasn't sitting in the can with mm -hmm. all that Can we pickle pineapple water. in our pickling class? We 100% should. certainly could, yeah. holy sure shit, does that sound great? They probably, someone in we Lebanon is pickling pineapple right See, now. See, Katie, this is why I love you. <laughs> Thank you. Like, yeah. we need to do that. But yeah, and then pickled pineapple pizza with pepperoni? Pineapple pizza with pepperoni. And pickled peppers? And pinos. Like, let's do, let's go. <laughs> the five P's. Let's P make it happen. <laughs> P to the power of five. Have we, uh, this is a slight digression, but uh, I just did this for the first time about two months ago. Um, have you ever taken, like, when you, um, like, when you're cutting pineapple so you can eat it, mm -hmm. you know, you cut off the husk and then you sort of cut around that core. Have you ever made a syrup with what's left? Oh, yeah. The, I... I, I had never done that before. And so, you know, you take the husk and then that, that center core, that cylinder, I, basically. Have we oh, talked I about use, I use the skins. I brought this up on, like, 15 episodes ago. Yeah, well, I finally did it, and holy shit. Like, yeah, that might it into be a jar, the skins in a jar mm -hmm. with, like, a demerara sugar, and the mm -hmm. enzyme breaks everything down and naturally turns it into a syrup. You sieve it, and you have a pineapple simple syrup. But it's like it's like a grassier, more herbaceous side of pineapple. It, mm. There's a different depth to it. Mm -hmm. It's not just that sweet acid pineapple taste that we're so used to. And I finally finished it off. Holy shit! Like the depth that that gives, uh, like anything in the tiki family, anything in the the Caribbean cocktail family. I, I, and again, I already love just buying a pineapple and cutting it down. But then on top of that, to use the rest of that to make a syrup for yourself, get yeah, out of here. Yeah, just throw it in a jar instead of throwing it in the compost mm -hmm. bin and dump some sugar in there. One of my favorite things about the bar at Ola is finding all of the ways, because we use so much fruit and so many yeah, tropical course. fruits and trying mm -hmm. to use um, all those fresh ingredients is finding a way to utilize what would traditionally be waste product. Yeah. And so um, we made fresh pineapple juice. And so you had all of the pulp from that in addition to the rinds. Oh. And so then taking that and making a syrup or the oranges that you would peel for a garnish, taking all of those spent oranges and turning it into an orange syrup. It's uh, using yes. as much as possible. To yeah, that's my thing now with when I make my tonic syrup, which I have to peel so many citruses the orange with the pith and everything, you can blend that entire thing to make a Garibaldi mm -hmm. because that's how they do it at Dante in New York. They take the entire 
peeled orange with the pith still on it, and they juice the entire thing, and then just mix it with Campari. They layer it so it looks real sexy, and then when you blend it, it turns like this beautiful hue of pink. But I adore that drink. Yep. But then now, you know, you can just keep all of your whole oranges yep. in your fridge, and then Saturday or Sunday morning, throw them in your Vitamix, blend the bejesus out of them, pour that frothy orange juice into a glass, either on top of or underneath Campari, and then away you go. You got a Garibaldi. Boom. Breakfast, motherfucker. It's healthy. <laughs> it's healthy, exactly. <laughs> it's good for you. Uh, all right, we should uh, maybe pour up. Yeah, what are we going to sip upon next? I think some ricea. Ooh. It's really pivot. Um, I know you were just in Mexico. Yes. Um, I And agave spirits are my happy place. I brought some ricea. Um, so this is made in the Sierra uh, Mountains of... Jalisco. Um, it's a husband and wife uh, team. Um, Ricea's, I'm trying to think of how to not bastardize this um, with my own opinions. Um, I mean, this entire show is just our own opinions. Right. So just go for it. Um, I mean, so Ricea falls under that agave distillate umbrella, and so it is from Jalisco, from wild agave. So you have tequila that can only be Blue Weber, which um, is one of hundreds of agave varietals. Um, and so anywhere that that would grow, other varietals will grow, and um, you use what grows and you use what's around you. And so Ricea is from the same region that tequila is in, um, but from all of the other agaves. And it's usually, it's a very small production. It's each family think like they make it for the town. Everyone mm. makes kind of their own. You've got a backyard still. And so this um, is Maximiliana, wow. um, one of the lowest methane agaves um, that they think exists. It's a nine to 15 year maturation and they are... Um, harvesting this completely wild, husband and wife, they cook them in an adobe oven in their backyard, and then um, he chops them up with a mallet by hand, and then those roasted, malleted piñas are going to wild ferment for five to seven days before they then are distilled in an alembic still once. Um, and with just a single distillation, this is coming off the still at 42.3%. Um, and it's just, it's such a terroir-driven product. It's such a fun thing. Um, this batch, 300 bottles were made. I literally don't know off that bouquet that I could even guess what genre of spirit this is. Hmm. Like, I am... I am literally floored. I have never, I have never had this spirit before, so this is something that I've read about, and that's it. Yeah. So the agave umbrella is um, mezcal, tequila, ricea, bacanora, sotol, and avila. 
Um, and all of those, I think a lot of times the easiest way to kind of understand it is through a wine lens. Sure. Because all, all of those, um, some have varietal uh, classifications and all of them have regional classifications. So different of each category um, has to come from a different region, has specific regions that it can come from. Um, tequila, for instance, has to be Blue Weber. Right. Um, Ricea can be anything. And so this one is really delightful. Um, it's Maximiliana. Um, I have another one that is, uh, the still is a hollowed out tree trunk. <laughs> that is what they have. Fuck. And they, wow. they take a tree trunk. Never and that. Um, that is the still. Amazing. I've had a lot of ricees. This smells a lot different than any I can recall. Like very sweet on the nose. Got, it smells like cactus fruit. Yeah, and ooh, there's like a there's like a little tang to it. A That's lot of ricias will have a fair amount of kind of almost like a lactic acid. Touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Wow, get a little cheesy. In like the best way possible. Holy shit! It's the closest in agave for me. Distillate gets to like a moonshine. Yeah, often single distilled comparatively to um, most other agave spirits that are double distilled. Um, really funky, really wild. Fuck me. Um, even within the regional designation of Jalisco, this is a Sierra, and so Sierra is the mountain region of Jalisco. So just really terroir specific. Uh, literally, it's like a, there's a, I, I, I might be crazy here, but there's like a, it's like a, like a blueberry and chev, or like a, like a blackberry and, like goat cheese vibe. Mm -hmm. some, some fruit and like just a touch of funk. It's yeah. like a, a gin, a gin dirty martini with a blue cheese olive. Yeah. Wow. There's some of the most savory spirits out there and that's, that's, that's why I love <laughs> that's them. That's why I love them because yeah. I, love, yeah. I love savory cocktails, savory spirits. And I, you don't always know when you're looking, if you're at a bar, like there's, there's a local bar here called Escondido that has a great selection of agave spirits and if i'm asking them to like i'm like give me the funkiest shit you got up there i want mushroom i want earth i want cheese funk they'll often grab a ricea because those frequently will have like that, that that's usually the bottle that's like really full because they're like are you sure and then it's got that <laughs> cheese funk yeah but i'm looking for that because that expression is fascinating that they could like derive made that. a good choice anytime someone looks at me and they're like are you sure <laughs> i have chosen correctly i am now <laughs> <laughs> yeah that just happened while i was in mexico and i was messaging katie about a particular double distillate that was a pachuga but the guy refused to call it a pachuga and was saying that like they cooked they cooked venison in it and i'm like I'm pretty sure he's saying it's a pachuga. And then I was asking you if you'd ever heard of it. And then I think you were, you're the one who ended up like looking it up and you were like, it's a pachuga. And I was like, okay. Cause I, I was familiar with the, um, with the brand um, and with what they did. And I hadn't had mm. that one, but I'd had a different one that they've done um, that they do with rattlesnake. And I was like, why would they do this one so differently than they do? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The rattlesnake. Like, well, now I'm curious. <laughs> and that was super funky. It had, like, an anise characteristic and then, like, some earthiness, some mushroominess. It was, was it the Texas rattlesnake? 
the one I had wasn't uh, the Hell Yeah just, version. Just trying to it bring was, it back to the Hell Yeah version. Was, no, it was, this was venison. I didn't have. I I didn't know they made a rattlesnake version. But yeah, I would love to drink the Hell Yeah edition. <laughs> That's so dumb. Come on, I think you're up to bat, bro. Yeah, yeah, I am. So Sorry, that's so dumb. Uh, all right, Katie, uh, do you have a superstition or a habit or uh, like a tick or anything that you can't explain but you still just have to do or you have to be a part of that? I am sure I do. Give me a minute. Okay, all There's right. There's no way that I don't. Uh, Charles, do you want to... You want to start with this one? Uh, I have a great many quirks, so that's yeah. Quirk is maybe maybe something sure. better. Uh, a pretty good one, and it was something that occurred to me when we were in. It's it might be a little mundane, but when we were in Mexico, um, in Mexico City, which is like a highly condensed city, there's not a lot of greenery there. It's very like Barcelona or New York City, and there's a lot of dogs, similarly to Barcelona or New York City. A lot of doggies doing their business wherever they may please, and usually that means that dogs are trained to just, like, shit on the fucking pavement. Mm-hmm. I have, like, I'm, I'm like, slightly OCD, you know? Like, it's more an eccentricity than it is a problem. And I kind of walk where subconsciously I, I can't step on, like, leaves or anything. Sure. Like, I'm, I, it, it, cracks are fine. I, when I was a kid, I couldn't step on cracks. Like, when I was in a mall, like, depending on how the – Layout like in the Mall of America, where mm-hmm. every area has a different layout, it would it would become like treacherous in different ways to not step on any cracks. But now it's mostly like I just don't like stepping on stuff. And I realize, oh my god, this is really great for having a dog <laughs> because <laughs> I it's almost impossible for me to step on shit because I'm like succinctly aware the radar is always of, going of schmutzes on our walkway. I'm also really great at making sure the dog doesn't get anything in his mouth that he shouldn't because if he finds a dead mouse or a dead bird or a dead fish, he's going to grab it and there's no getting it from him once it's in his mouth. So I'm great at identifying those things from much further away than, like, for instance, my wife is. And it's, I realized it's probably because it's not because I care about the dog more. It's because I am always mm-hmm. paying it. I'm scanning as I'm walking, even unintentionally. <laughs> So that, I guess that would be my thing. And it's funny, like, as we were walking around Mexico City, if, if your dog takes, a, uh, like, a runny one on the sidewalk, you basically can't do it. There's anything. nothing you can do about it. And so, you can often see when someone tried to do something. You can and pantomime, it, yeah. They made it way worse. You, you pantomime and you put, like, the, the three-finger lines in it. And like, then, they made it way worse, right? It's just, like, yeah. it's everywhere. And I was like, you really have to be aware of it. And... Marnie was trying so hard to focus to not step in anything, but I was just like adept at dodging all of them. And I'd sometimes call him out as she was about like, oh, no, 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 no. Like she like a foot away and she would like <laughs> shift midair, just hearing me say that and like would barely miss. Like, just throwing oh. hard hip checks into her. Yeah, <laughs> She's like, God, that was eight shits in four feet. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it feels like you're dodging mines or something. But, I know. was earlier this year running around, um, Lake of the Isles, and someone, maybe it was Charles, um, had gone around, and I was like, it took me a while to figure out what it was, and someone had gone around, and they had used chalk, and they had circled all of the geese poop on the pathway, and then <laughs> written the word 
poo next to some of the circles. That's like, so much work. It Very was, specific. Um, yeah, so it was like... Um, what a great public service. Yeah. Right? It was um, just like neon pink and orange chalk, and all of them were circled. And then every, you know, 10 feet or so, the word poo was written next to uh, <laughs> said circle. And I was like, poo, what? poo. Okay. I'd like to think that was someone that was troubled, but I bet it was someone that like took photos of it and posted it on a local blog or some shit. <laughs> that I seems mean, more modern, right? My money's on a child. But yeah. <laughs> that, okay, that could be too. Just need to, like some parent just needed to run the energy out of the kids. I was like, here's an idea. Circle every poo. Yep, this, right this poo. The, and I'll give you a penny a for everyone. Yeah. A penny a this poo. This is an activity. It's a game. Yep, absolutely. A, a penny, a poo, and then if you save enough pennies, you'll get a pepperoni, <laughs> pineapple <laughs> pizza. Pickled pepperoni, pickled pepperoni pineapple, pineapple pickled, pizza. Pickled pineapple, pickled pepper, pepperoni pizza. Penny, a poo, pickled pepperoni, pineapple. Pe- <laughs> All the fucking peas, man. All the fucking peas. That's, <laughs> that's so great. I love, but like the effort of picking up the poop would have been so much easier. I mean, but, but it's geese poop, yeah. so it's like it's not. I I don't know. You got to clean up after your pet goose. Yeah, I. <laughs> you got to people clean up after your goose, okay? Fucking Joey and Chandler. PSA. Yes, clean up after your pet goose, one hundred percent. Or put it in pachuga. Yeah, or or do that. Put it in pachuga. I mean. <laughs> Again, another T-shirt, <laughs> or is or is that is that Chuga our is that the pizza. episode title? Is this the put it in Pachuca episode? <laughs> it might be <laughs> little rattlesnake, little goose poop, yeah, or whatever. Uh, I mean, did that anything pop into your head? Because I have like dozens. I feel like I mean I have a lot of quirks. I just you know I've decided that coming to terms with myself so i'm yeah. trying to figure out which ones are the weird ones well i don't um, yeah <laughs> like i don't feel bad about it. there's just things oh, where yeah, no i don't i'm like oh yeah, well, that's I, what i'm saying i don't feel like i feel like i've normalized my quirk so mm, i'm trying to figure out like fair. what like what are the things that i do that are weird and that's where like you should have blaine here for this because i bet he would have such <laughs> a long list of the weird things that i do can't be that weird if you're not chalk lining shit you know anything yeah. <laughs> underneath there is probably <laughs> relatively normal i also like that chalk lining shit can be a <laughs> metaphor but also like a real thing of circling in, uh, around the lake especially because it looks like chalk chalk landing chalk shit yeah you know <laughs> a lot of consonants in this show yes yeah we're hitting the, the well maybe it was a kick because they're like not chalk not chalk not Don't draw with chalk. this <laughs> i tried it's not good no this is definitely not <laughs> chalk. chalk it up to also not a cigar Ooh. yeah i uh uh well if this makes you feel any better i, I think we've talked about a few of these i couldn't remember which ones I've talked about and which ones I haven't, but yeah, I was part of it too. <laughs> I still, I still set my alarm clock by multiples of 13 and I'm obsessed that if I don't, that somehow yeah, I'm not going to have a great day. I've talked about that. Uh, I am left-handed and I got a lot of shit for it when I was young. And to this day in every video game I play, if it's like choose left or choose right, I always choose left. I've told my wife, if we ever get lost in a maze or anything and she can't find me, like just keep going left and eventually you'll find me. Cause what, for whatever, I, I feel like I have to, like, right the ship, pardon the pun, uh, to just pick left as much as possible. Left is the pole position in fighting games. You want you want the left you side want the left. in competitive 100%. fighting games. So that's every, everybody picks left. Uh, that's where you start if you're playing alone. That's yeah. why everyone wants to start from that position. Anytime there's a lucky number, it's always an odd number. If it's not 13, it's always an odd number. Never choose an even number. also my number. Yeah. 
I was born on the 13th. Love it. I, uh, I got it in a fortune cookie. It just said your lucky number is 13, and I was like, word. I've never seen <laughs> that it. anywhere else. Game over. I love the commitment. <laughs> yep, I just went with it. And then because so many people, like, after, I, I was a kid. And then after that, I found out that, like, they'll, like, not allow a 13th floor to be in a building. And I was like, again, you make rules to keep me away from that, and now I'm going to be more of that. They're lying to you. It's the 14th floor. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I was born on the 13th, and my mom told me, and I have no reason not to believe her, um, that 13 was a powerful number in, um, like, Wiccan and female powerful um, non-Christian um, religions. It. And so that is when Christianity took over. That is when that got... Um, vilified mm. is that it was it was a powerful number i love it um, in other cultures <laughs> that tracks with all of that and for me. so either she's making you know me feel better about the fact that everyone else hates 13 or it's actually true but she's she's pretty smart so i'm gonna go with it yeah god what else oh i uh this is a weird one that i just noticed about myself recently i don't get out of the car until a song is done if i'm by myself in the car like, my wife will text, like, what are you doing in the car? And I was like, I'm waiting until the song is, mm, that's a weird, I don't, I don't know why I have to, I literally have it on my phone. It could just carry with me inside. Yeah. But nope, I, for whatever reason, I have to finish that song, and then we can be done. And then we get out and go. I will turn my blinker on to the beat of music, and if it gets too discordant i will turn it off and then turn it back on windshield wipers same thing weird guy <laughs> yeah i don't know there's like little stuff every now and then when you poke around and you're like yeah what wait why do i do that well you probably don't yeah we don't we don't actively think about it mm -hmm. i guess the one that i think has been most present in my life lately partially probably i'm aware of it or maybe it's a result of all of the changes um, is that I tend to be an over-preparer. Like, I will look up the menu to a restaurant before mm. I go. That being said, I get to the restaurant. I don't know what I want. <laughs> um, did you want to feel like you did the research? I, yeah, I just, like, I like to know what I'm walking into. I like yeah. to have an idea of, like, what's going on. Like, I'll, I'll, like, I'll have looked at the logistics of doing something before. Like, I know, like, you know, how long it's going to take to get from A to B or, like, what the day looks like and I'll have like okay like if we end up having this much time like do these things sure. and if we I'm just like I have gotten to this place where I try and be prepared for all eventualities ah yeah um while simultaneously like the part that's weird about it is I also like I'm not on any of them like it's like I'll be like okay like if we wake up in time and um we're ready to go like we're gonna like this just happened when I was in Chicago it's like I've already looked up the coffee shop I want to stop at on the way to the thing that we're doing if we have time to stop at a coffee <laughs> shop I no, I get that we didn't yep but I'd already looked at that menu and learned about that coffee shop <laughs> you know it's funny though because <clears throat> all right so you know my wife is very type a and I am very much, like, all over the place. Like, let's just feel how the day goes, and we'll go there. But I will do more of that because I just want to kind of know, like, what are the possibilities? 
And then I'm very comfortable with just like, I don't know, we'll figure out where it goes from there. Whereas she wants to know where we are going and yeah. then she will do lots of research on that. Like the amorph, like the, the amoeba of things that I'm checking out. She's like, eh, it's too much. Nope. I don't want to look at any of it until we know what our details are. And then I will go all the way in on that. And I think for me, maybe it's like putting the framework in place and having like the, if this happens, this, if this happens, we can do this. Sure. And I'm not set on any of it. Maybe it's like a, that then allows me to just be present once I get there. Yeah. I, I could see that though. Like, especially, I mean, the life that we don't do the same thing for work, but we do very similar things. Yeah. And it is very, very free flowing and everything can change in the space. So much of an is hour. outside of your control. Right. So it is nice to have a little bit of an idea of like if whatever happens, I know where this goes. I yeah, I I got actually I could see some some points of that in, in my world too. But also there's just like I have this insane need to like try and know everything, even though I won't. Yeah. But I wanna know as much as I can about whatever. And if it doesn't benefit me at all and we never use that knowledge, then it just sits somewhere. And that's probably why I can't tell you when my visa payment is due next month. Thank you, auto pay. <laughs> uh, but I can tell you about three restaurants in uh, North Carolina that we never went to. And that's exactly <laughs> it. Like, I, I think I, it's the preparation is, as a person who really likes food and who likes to travel, like, once I get somewhere, like, I don't want to waste a meal. I've only got so much space Correct. in my tummy. Um, so I don't want to get hungry and have no idea what's near me. And I also don't want to spend a bunch, like too much of my time when I'm elsewhere doing that research. So like, then I like rock in a hard place of like, okay, either I eat what will probably be perfectly fine food or I spend more time than I really want yeah. staring down at a screen yep. while I'm here. Yeah. No, that, that tracks. That's, yeah, it's, that's tough. And I feel, <laughs> I feel like if I look at every older person in my life slash family, I feel like that only gets worse as we get older. Oh, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I've been uh, enjoying it progressing. It's yeah, like you see it, you're like, new journey. oh, boy, that's me now. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I've, I've become the old man who's obsessed with what the weather forecast is. And so my wife has a weather app on her phone. She didn't even look at it anymore. She goes, what's the weather going to be like today? I'm like, ooh, well. <laughs> She's like, Lane checks God. the forecast every day, and I'm like, it's August. It's warm. Yep. Does it matter if it rains? doesn't affect my life. Not really. Maybe or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so dumb. What I like, that's the thing. Like, all these little things, when I watch myself doing them, I'm just like, oh, wow. All right, that's me now. Like, when when I was uh, up north, we were all staying in this giant cabin, so getting ready was a little bit weird because we had 11 people, six bedrooms, and three bathrooms. So trying to figure out everybody's shower routine was tough. I say it's a cabin. Define getting ready. Yeah, well, I mean, we were trying to at least wash ourselves and not smell. That's and, nice. Uh, I was trying to go as fast as I could, and some people were kind of coming in and out. And uh, I put deodorant on my right pit before my left pit, and halfway through that, I realized I've never done that before. And it, like, I didn't have to, like, get in the shower again or anything weird like that. But, like, I had to take a pause and be, like. Sit down and think about what that means. I, like, waited for a second. And then I, <laughs> I put deodorant on my left pit. And then I went back and did it on my right pit one more time just so that it felt normal. 
Mm, you're perplexed know. because you were trying to prevent perspiration. Ah, there it is. Oh my God, because I, I was. To, my brain is. <laughs> Not I was right perfectly right now, positioned but. to order a pickled pepperoni and pickled <laughs> pineapple pepper. <laughs> oh, so many peas. Literally and figuratively. Well, cheers to that. Yep. I got you a little bit quirky left. fuckers. <laughs> own your quirks, man. It's a weird world. Just own your quirks, will you? Me. I'm going to start thinking of all the weird... I'm going to start noticing all yeah. the weird things I do. I can't wait. I'm just going to text you randomly. Perfect. Yeah, like please do. Really weird shit. I, I think being cognizant of it is like Splicing a fascinating thing. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. Like, my obsession with music, it doesn't surprise me that I do the thing with the blinker and with the windshield wipers. But now that I think about it, when I catch myself doing it, I think it's hilarious because I might not even like the song. I'm like, why am I concerned about that? But I am. And if it's offbeat, it drives me crazy. Incidentally, uh, I finally figured out my windshield wipers are at about 117 BPM. So uh, if like a, uh, uh, the radio's on and Billie Jean comes on, I will click my wipers on just because. Because it's <laughs> perfectly in sync and it makes me very happy. Yeah, sorry, I went there. Hell yeah. Oh, we, uh, wait, are we at uh, another spirit? We can be. I poured a great deal of this, so I'm going to... Oh. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Ricea. Uh Well, I am out, and if you would have, I feel like we should do this last. So I feel like we should pivot. Okay, pivot. Pivot. Well, so are we? Then probably that because green those brown. those I, two are. I I'll defer to you. No, you're 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 my yeah, guy. Let her rip. All right. Whatever you decide. Well, then I'm going to pop this bottle that I brought. Uh, this is a... Uh, you pop the plantation? Yep, I'm going to pop the plantation <laughs> mm, and pour it into my <laughs> perfect... Uh, this is a 2009 uh, plantation from Fiji. Uh, it is nine years total aged in barrel, seven years in... Shit, now I can't remember. Fiji. Seven years in Fiji. Uh, seven years in bourbon, and then uh, two years in cognac. So uh, I was just trying to figure out, cool. after you were kind enough to let me know what you were bringing, I was trying to figure out like what would sort of play in that pool and also be something that we could all enjoy. So I went with this. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to pour a little bit of this out. And then uh, feel free as you guys go. Yeah. All right. Topic number are. five. Number Katie. five. What uh, spirit, liqueur, fortified wine, what have you, that people commonly seem to append expressly to cocktail making, do you wish more people would try to sip on its own, use as a sipping spirit? find myself discovering that from time to time. Like, I just love sipping on this. Why don't I just sip on it more? That's that's such a good question, and it's it's so hard because I feel like a lot of mine, it's not even, it's more just like, what do I wish people were drinking more of? <laughs> um, okay, yeah. And I think it goes both directions. Um, I have a bit of an obsession with oxidized things, um, sherry in particular. Uh-huh. And so I really wish more people were drinking sherry just on its own because then I think they'd realize how versatile and how um, 
how beneficial it could be to their cocktails. Um, so that, I guess, would be one of them. I wish more people were drinking good sherry. Um, but in terms of what I wish, I mean, I'm with you guys on the rum. I think there are some really phenomenal rums, and I think that the vast majority of places have just rums that they're putting in cocktails and not rums of a caliber that would live with the whiskeys on their shelves. Mm. Um, and they certainly exist. And 100%. I, I mean, because of how climate affects aging, um, your, for instance, this one, your nine year age statement on this rum, um, I would venture is comparable to a whiskey with something closer to 12 years. Absolutely. Um, so I wish more people would take rum seriously, and I wish more brands that didn't add sugar to their rum were what people were trying, because I think that's where people have a hard time maybe thinking about it as um, the caliber of spirit that their scotch or their whiskey or um, their other barrel-aged products are. Drink more rum, but Guilt, good guilty rum. Guilty as charged, yeah. Talk, mm -hmm. I discussed that in episode 60, how I would like to maybe be more respectful of the higher range of rums and just sipping on them, you know, learning more and trying more of them to something that I never gave a great deal of personal attention to. So that's, yeah, that's a great answer. And I, I love seeing that sherry is being used as a component in cocktails so much more now. Yeah become especially this year you're seeing so much of it and anytime it's present you know it's there like you, you don't even need to read it on the menu and it adds just such oh, a delightful uh in terms of whether or not you know it's the, i mean i i wish i mean i guess i don't know if you did but the mm -hmm. the menu that was at ola when i left mm -hmm. i think i had sherry in three of those cocktails and it was listed as an ingredient on one and it's oh yeah you're adding saline, you're adding umami, yep. like some, you know, there was a strawberry Paloma in the slushy machine that had, um, that shit was so good. Had, by the way, it had cherry in it. It was so bonkers. Good. No one, yeah. no one, but me and the people batching that slushy knew that it had cherry in it, but those caramely <clears throat> notes playing it's, with that grapefruit. It's funny. Like <clears throat> knowing that now, uh, the only thing that I thought when I had that, was that I wanted to throw a pinch of MSG across the top, and I think that that was Sherry, like, kind of poking me in the back of my palate, being like, hey, we can have some fun with this side of it. Mm -hmm. And that, that that cocktail was bonkers. I'd, I'd love to know an example where maybe I didn't identify it. I think I'm, I'm as sensitive to it as I am a, um, uh, a lover of it. So it's... I, I feel like I'm pretty good at identifying its presence unless it's like just very faintly used yeah. and in something that's that cold, maybe I wouldn't pick up on it, but I, when it's there, I just, I, I get super excited because as you know, I also love oxidized spirits, wines, champagnes, all, all those things just really make me happy. <laughs> Give me that good, good. Yeah. I'm a, I mean, obviously, like, we've talked a lot in the last, I don't know, seven or eight episodes about, about rum. I'm really in the camp right now of I wish people would understand, like, fortified wines and, and vermouths as 
something just to like sip on. Like we've seen the trend shift in beer where a little bit lower ABV have, has become more popular as opposed to five years ago when it was like, what's the biggest sledgehammer you can drink and right. you know, whatever. And <clears throat> like a, a glass of Lillet Blanc with an orange slice in it is as much a summertime drink as a crispy lager or a daiquiri or anything for me. And uh, actually this weekend, uh, I have a friend who's coming back. He's been gone on business for almost two months. He's coming back and uh, I'm soaking orange slices in Campari and then freezing them. And we're gonna sit out on my patio and just have a couple glasses of vermouth with frozen Campari orange slices in them. That was and the thing at Hanky Panky that we were just at in Mexico City, which in the top 50 bars in the world, I think they're like number six right now or number nine in that range. Uh, they have a particular cocktail that they put like a full wedge orange that's been soaked with Campari. And of course, Marty gave it to me and I was like, try it. It's actually the orange counterbalances that. You know, cause it's orange on orange. It's a little bitter for her, but yeah. it's it's so good. So that's cool that you're doing that. Yeah, it's just I I I think that the idea of ordering a martini extra dry, which I know is like passe now, but was a thing when I was coming up in the bar twenty I mean, 50, years ago. Fifties are yeah coming back. Yeah, they, like mm. it, wh why would you pass up on that much amazing flavor and that much like just added depth to a drink? Like if look if you want chilled vodka, just get on the fucking rocks or save vodka up. If you want a cocktail, then actually have a cocktail. And because of that, I think there's and maybe I'm speaking more to people of like my age, but I feel like there's an entire generation of people who think that somehow vermouth is bad because well, they saw was. a couple of cool well, yeah, of course. Like yeah, the the rail vermouth that had been open for nine months sitting there and like you can see the crust of fruit flies across the top of it yes put your vermouth in the fridge but what we have is yes absolutely put yeah it in that's the, fridge. the other thing i was gonna say it's been sitting on the rail and yep. barely used but you know if you look at any of the cokies if you look at any of the like antica if you look at lay if all of that like there are so many incredible shades of vermouth and fortified wines and we're getting in this marketplace some nicer sipping vermouths, like the stuff that you really want to leave unadulterated and, and just sip on. And that's yep. really cool, especially if, you know, you've ever traveled to Spain and you go to, it, it, like, Nerwa at the, the Guggenheim in Bilbao, Spain, has an entire list of sipping vermouths. It's like 120 bottles long. Yeah. And they do the, you know, they give you the slice of orange and a, and a green olive. And you just sip on it. It's on a rock, and the that range of flavors is spectacular. That's it. And again, I love you, that answer. Yeah, you get all of the love of having like a, a beautiful cocktail or whatever. It's at a lower ABV, so you can sip on them all day. You know, if you want to make it into some form of like a spritz or whatever, you can do that. Like I love oh, yeah. vermouth and soda. Like, and it's the original bottled cocktail. Yep. Like that's to me that's that's it and. I'm blown away at the amount of people who are very bar forward and go to nice restaurants who like look at me like I'm crazy because I'm just drinking like a good vermouth or a good fortified wine on an ice cube. Like, I don't, why, why wouldn't you do that? 
Like, we all still have to operate motor vehicles going home. Like, that's a very nice way of getting a little bit of alcohol in there, but still having something that has a ton of flavor. It's time is coming for it to arrive into the general consciousness of the fine dining and, and cocktail bar uh, portion of our, our society. Uh, someone very recently posted, like a friend of mine, posted a photo of vermouth with the green olive and an orange wedge on Facebook. And it was like a ready-built meme that said like, oh, would you do this? This is disgusting. And people remarked, there was like, a, there was like 40 comments that were like, not if you paid me $1,000. And I just remarked, well, that's pretty normal in Spain. And of course, what, no one responded to what me. What part of that don't they like? I, my, I would surmise that it's the green olive and the orange slice. I think that's weird to people who don't know that that's something that is done elsewhere. Well, I think it's, it's just a lack of understanding of exactly what you're doing with them. It's people don't like to not know things. They don't like to be made to feel uncomfortable. That's so it's different. Like you're I hate not it. not taking a bite of your orange and your olive. You're enjoying your vermouth with two different flavor pairing options. Correct. It's interesting like someone that someone gave you two flavor pairings for free. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, isn't it interesting that that looks like someone's playing a joke on you if you're unknowing and maybe haven't experienced it. But if you had a green olive and a slice of lemon in a glass, nobody would blink twice. Right? That's like, so fucking dumb. Just a, oh, just, we live in the worst timeline. <laughs> that part I just think is a lack of understanding. I think that eventually that'll seem very normal and there won't be memes about it. Um, I'm sure some people will still hate it, of course, you know, just like my pineapple on pizza. Some people say that's not for me and say that shouldn't be for you either because that's what people like to do. But yeah, it's kind of yeah, like, like women's rights right now. It's, yeah, not for many, you. Many, many other things. <laughs> many, many other things. Yeah, it's just a lack of understanding, I think. But um, Which is always yeah, comedic when people are... Answer on the internet spouting opinions that stem from a lack of knowledge and understanding and it's like but you're 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 so close to the google yeah yeah <laughs> it's right there, right there. <laughs> yeah and but you can also find any answer you're looking for that's even, fair you know that's the, the downside of and if you it backfired and if you don't get it just say i don't get it i i, I just i will i don't think i'll ever understand the i just hate it because it's not the thing that i like i Love not knowing. Things. Yes. That means I get to learn something. It's the best. Literally the best. Oh, the last sip of that ratio was. I'm kind of jealous. I saw magical. the smile come across your face mm. and I was like, mm, fuck. But I can't believe you've never tried ricea. I, I am so thank you for letting me introduce yeah, you I, to it. I'm so excited. I've I've been racking my brain since that and there's You have. I don't think I have. I really I don't. I think I think you have. You maybe just don't. So the one, like, that's like, been, where? the one that's been in market for a while Scandido? is called uh, La Venenosa, um, and it, they're phenomenal. Um, they It's a bunch of different producers, kind of similar to this, where mm -hmm. it's each labeling is a different small producer, um, and they're different colors, and they have um, same style bottle and like a snake spiral on the front of the label. Yeah, they have those. So. They have um, that whole line at uh, Escondido. Yeah. yeah so I've never, I've never done a full run of cocktails or, okay. or sips there. Like you know, Centro, like when they first yeah. opened the bar and they had all the various bottles and the flights at the bar. Yeah, but uh, there were a couple at Mercado. Um, yeah, but Urkula would never let me order anything. He would just make me things that he wanted to make me. That's fair. And then at, <laughs> at Centro when they first opened, 
everybody wanted to bring me their cocktails that they wanted to try. And then I finally got to go sit at the back bar and do, they, they were like, well, what do you want? And I was like, I want to do a Mezcal run. And then I went back and I did the same thing again. And it was all Mezcals. It just never. I was wrecking my brain too, because part of me felt like we may have had one on the program before, but I was like running through my big dumb so. brain about the things that we've had. And I'm like, yeah, no, we have not had a race in here, but I, I and, and I thought maybe Katie brought one the last mm-hmm. time she was here, but she did not. No. And, and honestly, like Katie, like truly thank you for that. Cause I, again, I love, I love knowing how little I know. I'm and I love to bring you the one with the tree trunk. Yes. I, please. Like I, I want to find out more. I want, but it's also tough because as you're doing that, like just me not working in a bar anymore as a consumer, I also have to weigh that against like, but I know so many things that I love and I want to keep buying those as well. And then trying to figure out that balance. But like, I'm not going to lie to you when this show's done, I'm going to do another pour of that. Cause that fruity funk, even after the rum is still sitting on the back of my palate and my brain is going like, yeah, we should, I wish we had gone to Escondido after wrestling last weekend because odds are we would have had one because I would have said, give me the weirdest shit you got. But isn't it almost more fun that we got to do it live? Oh, that's way funner. Yeah. And then we'll just have to, we'll just have to figure out at a a later date. Mm -hmm. And now that we have uh, just a growing bounty of agave spirits available on our store shelves, which is cool because I was, that was an interesting thing being in Mexico City as well as I was able to remark that to um, the the um, proprietors and bartenders at the various bars and, and um, um, mezcal bars that we were at was if I had gone to the mezcal bars in Mexico City five years ago, I would have been way more geeked than I am now because we do actually have some availability. Of course, there are things that we can't access here, but it wasn't quite the... Um, wonderland of availability that it would have been five years ago because now actually I can get more than Vita and Banez and yeah. you know our, our standards that I I used to have to I used to have to ask um, the proprietors of the the shops locally to just bring in a singular mezcal for me to yeah. procure from them like that one wasn't yellow. You, what's that that wasn't yellow yeah <laughs> yeah the the plastic bottle with the pour cap that or tastes like plastic. That's Monte like, Altaban that had the where weird worm in the bottom. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, do we do what? What what do we have in that little black bottle? I think I think we have to do this one next, just from I think a we do. flavor uh, progression. Um, so this is um, something. So a number of years ago. Uh, I was lucky enough to get to go on a trip with Spiribom, um, which represents um, a couple of different agricoles and uh, Bounty Rum. So Bounty Rum, Chairman's Reserve, um, Clement, and Rum Jam on the islands of St. Lucia and Martinique. Mm. Um, and... Uh, Christina and I, my uh, ex-work wife, <laughs> uh, got to go on this really, really fantastic trip and go to these distilleries and go to these sugarcane fields and see what they were doing. And I brought back this bottle from Rum Jam. Um, they are credited as being the first distillery to make agricole. 
on the island of Martinique. Um, and this is something that Where's they... Where's mother's from? Yeah. Yeah? Yep. Uh, Joanne was four or five episodes ago. Uh, yeah. This is... He grew up. Um, yeah, so... Um, French-occupied island, um, and they make agricole rum, and this is one um, that they only sell at the distillery in Martinique, and it is their Rum JM um, Armagnac cask finish. Shit. Very cool. Um, so it's aged nine years um, in ex-bourbon barrels, um, followed by a further 10 months in ex-Armagnac um, casks from um, Tari K. Thank you so much for bringing and this. And I, it was your birthday yesterday, <laughs> and I I think the whole reason these things exist and the reason I like to bring them home when I get to go to these places is to share them. It's like just like the whiskey that we started with. It's no fun to have this flavor yeah. experience all by myself. Happy Katie, birthday, Guam. <laughs> Katie, I'm truly honored. Like, truly, truly honored. So. Uh, all right, well, let me, uh, let me pour a wee bit of this. Well, actually, or, well, yeah, I should. I I guess uh, I just realized that I didn't answer my own question, oh. and it's sitting oh. right there. It's the bottle I brought today. It's chartreuse. I, I love sipping on chartreuse, and I think it's something that doesn't occur to a lot of people that chartreuse is great. And I know I have some vintage bottles hidden somewhere in my house. I couldn't find any of them. It's just like a bottle. <laughs> you hid them of, from yourself? What's that? You hid them from yourself? Probably. I probably drank too much of it when I was drunk and then hid it from myself. I, I do have... Um, you know, Blackout Charlie is the, the my alter ego where I'll hide things from myself. I actually have a pretty funny story Ooh. about hiding a bunch of money from myself one time when I was younger <laughs> and like blaming everyone around me. And then I found it when I moved out because it was, I slid it in between a bunch of empty cl- uh, uh, um, clothing hooks in my closet. And when I moved out, it was the last thing I grabbed. It was just a bunch of empty and like an envelope of cash dropped out of there? Just slid out and fell down Amazing. on the floor. And I was like, wow, I blamed a lot of people for that. But uh, I, I, I love green chartreuse, particularly vintage. And Marnie discovered she likes yellow chartreuse. So that's become a thing. We, well, we first discovered that we both, well, it was her discovery of liking yellow chartreuse. And we had like the, I forget the name of it, but like the nicer bottle of chartreuse. Mm. We, we had that after a meal at EP. Yeah. yeah, at um, Smith in Chicago to Michelin Star Restaurant. Like, after our meal, we just wanted, like, an after dinner, some sort of digestive thing, and we each had. She had the yellow, and I had the green, and she was like, I actually like this. And I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Like, now I know we each, if we are being indecisive, we can each have a chartreuse. You have the yellow, I have the green. It could be vintage. It could be, you know, it doesn't Isn't matter. Isn't chartreuse? I, uh, on Friday night, I got to run into uh, an old friend, uh, Jordan Gomez, uh we How's he doing? he's great uh he's living that drone life and uh i just got out of the lord huron concert and we ran into each other at a bar and we were catching up and i got to I, I i got to thank him because my favorite chartreuse memory was because of him he left minneapolis and moved to new york city and opened pouring ribbons which won cocktail bar of the year in new york city that sadly year. closed sadly closed r.i.p last year uh, he took the early cut. I went to the bar to see him. He took the early cut, and we went bouncing all over Manhattan. And between the two of us, it was it was a little bit wild because his knowledge of a lot of bartenders and my ability to walk up to anyone and just start a conversation and instantly be friends, uh, all of a sudden, like, seven hours had gone by, 
and we were pretty tuned up, and he realized that he had left some shit that he needed to get back into his apartment at the bar. So we went back to Pouring Ribbons, and they had already closed up, but the owner let us in. So Jordan went back to go get some shit, and I'm just sitting at the bar with this dude who owns this amazing brand-new cocktail bar. And I, I'm not going to say I know he was, but I have a pretty good vibe that he had had a few cocktails at that point. And he just went digging around. He's like, are you a Chartreuse fan? I'm like, of course. Like, that's my favorite thing. When I came here, I'm I wouldn't. the Chartreuse goose for nothing. Yep. I wouldn't, let him, uh, I wouldn't let him pour me a cocktail when I got here. I wanted some Chartreuse. And so he dug around and he pulled out a bottle of 77 and just popped the top and poured me two ounces. And I was like, I, I don't know if I can afford this, uh, but I'm just going to sip and pretend like it's all good. And never asked me for a dime. And I sat and I can still, if I close my eyes, I can still taste that. It was basically at that point syrup. I mean, but it coated every bit of your mouth the way that, like, the softest silk would. And then that flavor just echoed forever. And I loved the fact that I never got a chaser. I never got anything else. So the whole way home back to my hotel, it was just this beautiful chartreuse that was older than me echoing on my palate. And I remember waking up the next morning and jumped in the shower. Because, of course, I had a meeting. I was there for work. So I got, like, literally three and a half hours of sleep. And... uh Jumped in the shower, and I was on my way out the door. I'm like, fuck, I haven't brushed my teeth, and I burped. And it was like one last chance of chartreuse. And that's when you know it's good. <laughs> when you're hungover the next morning after three hours of sleep, and you burp, and it tastes like the last booze you had. That's why you like Malort. Never and you smile. Your nope. <laughs> I'm good with it. <laughs> and then I brushed my teeth, and I ran to work. <laughs> but, yeah, that's I, – I agree with you. It's one of those things that, like again, like Malort – I'm glad a lot of people don't like because it's somewhat still affordable, but uh, it's so fucking delightful. So circling back to Charlie. Um, what was it, Blackout Charlie? Yeah, Blackout Charlie. Um, I don't know if you have plans for Easter this year. <laughs> that's, before you go any farther, that's Next the greatest year. intro to a story ever. <laughs> Circling black to, back to Blackout Charlie. Uh-oh. Are you trying to get me to scare a family member? <laughs> <laughs> no. So um, Easter of 2020, um, you know, everything had been closed for a month, and it was when you couldn't leave your house, and nothing, nothing was open again. And... Um, mm. My parents celebrated um, the pandemic by really purging things from their home, and they mm. lived four blocks from me. Oh, Blackout Charlie's um, known to empty a liquor cabinet for, for people as a public service. No, no, no. So then it'd be <laughs> things would be like, if you want these, they're on the porch, otherwise uh, we're donating them. Okay. And so Blaine and I um, went and bought candy, filled up the Easter eggs that uh, we picked up from my parents, and got Blackout drunk and hid them. <laughs> all oh. over the apartment and we then spent the next year like every once in a while like finding some like mini Reese's you still, you still finding some we've moved um, <laughs> but yes we did find some in the move amazing someone's um, finding like, them someone's uh, finding <laughs> yeah so if you're looking for a blackout Charlie operation this wasn't on um, the manifest you know it's <laughs> do some M&M's do some some candy it doesn't Just really go bad all around and okay. it you know every once in a while you pull out a pair of socks and uh 
get I'll some, hide them from some mini Kit Kats for breakfast. <laughs> I'll hide them from Marnie. She'll love that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I will find some really weird hiding spots. Sure. recommend it enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. I couldn't find my mic today because after the last podcast, I put it away before I went to Mexico and I didn't know where the hell I put it. <laughs> so you're going to do really well at this game. You're going to win. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Everyone wins. Yes, yes. We're all winners. Who doesn't like surprise candy? Like You're leaving, you're setting yourself up for a surprise. That's yeah. amazing. I'd be mad at Grab that sleeve of delis and there's some, like there's some Skittles. Oh, hey, up the ante, man. You're going to have so, to hide something else in there. Sometimes you got Rolos, sometimes you got a $100 bill. Maybe throw a truffle in one. Who knows? Regular <laughs> gummies, <laughs> weed gummies. Weed, yeah, and don't label either one, so you got to figure it out as you're eating them. I mean, Both look like a Starburst. Yeah, it's full of Malort. I open it, just spills everywhere, and I get <laughs> mad, mad at myself. No, get Kate to make no. more of those Malort candies, and they're yes. just Malort candies and eggs oh hidden all over God. the apartment, all over the house. To it, we Good are on to something. Good Lord. This is a, a graduation of my my old Zombie Jesus Day uh, celebration that we used to do. Is at it the a graduation? Independent. I think 100%. Okay. Instead of sitting around a bar and, and paying a ton of money. Filling a plastic egg with more, yeah. it feels no, like. No, get yourself you, hammered at home. feels like you went down a crate. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I'm into it. I mean, there are so many, there are so few surprises left in life. Why not create a situation where you could surprise yourself? Hey. Maybe throw a couple like positive it's notes. Well, what if you did like Malort Jello shots? Oh yeah, I could do that. I also mm. feel like we should just do that. Why not? I almost brought my Perone today. Set them in the set them in the oh, bottom yeah. of the egg. We we <laughs> almost brought a Perone to, to do Malort daiquiri Perone style. Well, now I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Well, given, I love an Amaro daiquiri. I given would where we not were, have occurred to me to do a, a Malort daiquiri, but now mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. Well, now we just need to do it somewhere where it's a little bit easier for us to kind of walk around and pour. It's fair. So we'll just do that off mic. Or maybe we'll film it. Who knows? We can do that as well. <laughs> uh, all right. Why well, not? So I, oh, that's, yeah, I need some of that. I poured a very small amount, and that is... Pour more. That's, that's Are you the, sure? It's the reason it exists. Okay. The reason is it exists is to share it. This is absolutely spectacular. And uh, again, I just can't thank you enough for bringing this with. Um, I, I, I don't know that I could say that I've had an agricole that mirrored any of these flavors, especially with like the depth. One. This bottle feels haunted. feels like something on... Uh, the new season of Sandman. And also, why? <laughs> because like, it's bad CGI? I almost, Christina and I almost lived in Martinique. Um, oh. It was, I don't know if you remember when um, all those Boeings got recalled. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened while we were in Martinique, and the airline that flew to and from Martinique, it was like two-thirds, that was the fleet. No shit. Um, and so I guess another thing to say about this company and how great they are um, we ended up getting stuck on island for like an extra two nights until we could get a flight because our flight, like two thirds of the flights got canceled. Um, and they put us up. Wow. They put us up and took care of us while we were, um, you know, just having the worst time stuck on Martinique. Trapped in Martinique. Um, just trapped. The Martinique um, fleet. And. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. For <laughs> I know. It's just such a hardship. So um, we just looked at each other. We're like, what if we didn't go back? Yeah. Uh, a very, very good friend of mine uh, who I consider a little sister uh, literally did that. 
She went to uh, St. Martin on vacation and went home, grabbed her shit, and just came right back and was like, I'm not leaving. And stayed there up until the hurricane. And then finally, like, when everything was getting evacuated and they were under, uh, um, it was, I mean, basically martial law, they were under curfew for 14 hours a day. She's like, I, there's no bar to work at. You can't yeah. go to one. So they finally had to leave. But I don't know. Yeah, for all, for, I guess for all that I'm a planner, the optimism, I mean, how I ended up leaving Parlor is, again, I got, I got a little bored. I was like, okay, I've learned so much. Like, what's next? And I bought a one-way ticket to Europe. I was like, I'll go visit. If not now, when? And um, 10 countries and three months later, I came back. <laughs> Amazing. But it was a close call. But it was like, you should probably make some money. Mm-hmm. I, how do you not? Yeah. I. There's still another timeline on my world where I don't move home from Norway and I figure out my work visa and who knows where life goes. I'm so excited to visit you when that happens. Yes, and it will. It's going to be fun. But we should get to the last question. So we do this every now and then. We talk about uh, the fun side of time travel. So excluding everything and pretend that life freezes right now. Nothing changes. You don't have to abandon anyone. Everything that we know right now freezes. If you could go back to any era, and I'll say human history if you'd like, if you could go back to any era and live for one year, anywhere on earth for one year in any era, where would you go just to experience it? You don't lose anything, nobody. When you come back, the only difference is that you've lived that and you have that knowledge. So it's not Outlander. Correct. Oh, God, softcore porn? (laughs) I mean, that's the appropriate response to softcore porn. Oh God! Yeah, which Outlander very much yep. is. We've ta- we've discussed this on yes. the pod. And again, if you want to ponder it for a while, like Charles did know that I was going to ask this question, so we could kick it to him if you would prefer. I want to ponder it and i don't know that we really want my stream of consciousness on the air what do you have you ever listened to a podcast (laughs) that's all this is i think i mean i love history and i am so constantly aware of the fact that i live in this world as a female and so that question like these eras that i would love to go see are not eras that i would want to live in we could say with the justification that you would be safe Sure, but there, I mean, like at home as a housewife? <laughs> Maybe, I, I, yeah, I guess I hadn't gone that far down into it, but. You knew that was going to affect like, my like answer, the, too. The, mm-hmm. the vast majority of these eras are eras where I don't get to do anything. So I guess in that realm. See. No, no, I've got one. I've got okay. one. All right. I think, and I am woefully undereducated here but from the reading that i've done um my understanding is that a lot of native american culture um was female-led female-driven or at least equitable um i would like to go back and see what this country or i guess more accurately what this land was like um before we all inhabited it sure and go back and see what living with the land in that type of culture would be like and to see what a 
female-led society looked like. Sure. I think I, I again, woefully undereducated, and I know that that's a span of a couple centuries um, where that could exist, but pre-colonization of the U.S. I think that's, yeah. That's where I'd come. Yeah, a lot of um, American indigenous cultures also observe more than two genders. Correct. There's a lot that is fascinating about their ways of life that I'm sure would be, like, really fascinating to explore. I mean, I think we're, it's, you know, like, 90s fashion. Like, we're coming back to a lot of those things. Like, this is how you take care of the land. This is how you rotate crops. This is how you do things without pesticides and pre-chemical. Yeah, I'd like to go see how it was done when it was being done. It's Isn't it, like, without fascinating? Without the intervention. Like, when, it's very rare that I have terrestrial TV on, but, like, uh, <clears throat> I was up north, and they just had, like, normal TV channels, and every third commercial was a class action suit against Roundup, because of literally the cancer that Roundup has caused, and then we had to stop at the store to grab groceries, and Roundup had an end cap at the store. And I'm like, if if there's ever been a more perfect encapsulation of what it's like to live in America, I think it's that. Yeah. <laughs> that we can literally say this will kill you, but because they haven't lost in court yet, it's still just on sale at every store everywhere. And then you watch like what's going on with any farmer anywhere, and they're all trying to go back to that, trying to go back to how <laughs> crops were raised before the invention of all of this insane shit. Well, and with, you know, species diversity and... Mm -hmm. I remember watching something the other, you know, a couple of weeks ago where it was talking about bananas. And, like, in the U.S., we have a variety of bananas, mm -hmm. and they're now being grown in India because the monoculture of them wiped out, like, a pest came through and wiped Correct. them all out in South America. And um, so now they have to be grown somewhere else because our desire for everything to taste the same wipes them all out and the person who was talking about it was like in india is like at, they were like at this farmer's market stand it was like yeah this is the these are the bananas we grow for the u.s they're the worst bananas yep like they have the worst flavor they have the worst like they're the worst texture like these are the mm. bad bananas that are for the u.s we've right. i mean we've talked exactly. about it on the show before when when i was in bogota and i asked for some fresh orange juice from the dude on the like the food cart and he's like well which orange and there was like nine oranges to pick from mm -hmm. And I like I didn't know how to answer that question because I didn't know that there are other oranges, like and not just not just like a, a cutie and a navel and like what like all these different shades and all these different colors and like fuck, right? Even when we were just in Mexico and there's these really beautiful sweet oranges with the green rind, mm -hmm. it's confusing mm -hmm. to see it, bright orange with the green rind. Like oh, all right, we're we're getting back there. Like look at tomatoes. Yep. Tomato is my favorite analogy for agave spirits. It's like tequilas, Roma tomatoes, and all the rest of them are the rest of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's I love a that. great, great analogy. Heritage corn, that type of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Like, Pujol, like the corn. Like this is your sun gold, and this is your purple, and this is your. There's like a peach tomato is my favorite. It's fuzzy like a peach, and it's sweet and delicious. So many. Charles, how would you how would you answer that question? Last time we had this sort of topic. So we, I, I basically remarked that as a 
man of color that I wouldn't really be welcome a lot of places. Well, yeah, but it also this this isn't in Minneapolis at any time. This is like anywhere you want to be at any time. That's fine. But last time I answered this because of that particular remark, I said that, you know, I would love to see um, naval technology being invented in Phoenicia, which is, you know, Lebanon. That was my answer at the time, and it was partly considering that type of thing. And I could say, like, you know, I could say, like, Lebanon in the early to mid-90s when it was, like, a major um, vacation destination for celebrities. Like, Peter O'Toole had a place in Beirut, and it was, like, a beautiful sort of oasis for um, a lot of people uh, for a long time before the Civil War and, you know, various... uh, uh, inc- incidents occurred, but I'm I'm gonna say something like simple and perhaps rudimentary once again. Uh, I'm gonna say just the year 2000, like right here, year mm-hmm. 2000. Is the simplicity of um, having a cell phone on me for the first time, but it was literally actually a phone. It was a means to communicate with all the people I loved anytime I wanted to, and nothing more than that. And Clinton was president, and uh, Nintendo 64 was in its sort of later years with all the dope-ass games that came out at sort of that that end of the spectrum. And just, uh, I, I, it would be like some modern trappings, but also uh, I know it sometimes, especially to like Gen Zers, it, it sounds like some old people shit to say that people of my age almost fetishize and I think it's going to become a bigger thing as like a marketing person I know it's going to become a bigger thing for people to fetishize like setting aside devices and communication and like not always looking down at a screen when you're communicating with one another including you know where we are right now we're at Club Caraway and I'm the event coordinator here and I want to coordinate events where you have to check your phone so we can act like we're in the era that this place sort of has vibes that are, are replicated from I ad- adored that time and I have fond memories of my life at that time and I have this like crude example of it's something I hearken upon because it's like a very simple but evocative explanation of why I I love how we could entertain ourselves in a very different way at the time and it would be this idea of and it's like a scenario i found myself in many times where you go to white castle at 3 a.m drunk get a crepe case and then sit in the parking lot eating them and someone would ask what was the name of that actor in that one movie and you just all sit around racking your brains to yeah you had to like collectively trying to encyclopedia brown it and i still sometimes do that like if i pose a question or someone else poses a question (laughs) yes like i I like to not reach for my phone because I want to, I want to grab some of that, you know. I want to say like, let me, let me well, reach into here. There's a sense here. of accomplishment if you can think of it. Yeah, sure. That and also, I think we don't access our memories quite as well because we're so accustomed to not having to do so. And also, we're flooded with so much content that I, I don't always remember the last season of a show that I watched when I watched the new season of it because I've watched thirty shows since then. Well, and this and is not you there. Just count on the recap. Yeah, right. It's just not. That. It's this. The information's not there anymore. Yeah. 
So like the amount of information I've forgotten is crazy. But at that time having, you know, everyone was watching the same things and you could, everybody was watching it. Like uh, a podcast I was listening the other day was talking about how, um, oh God, I can't think, I can't think of the show. This is Jim Cornette's, one of Jim Cornette's podcasts. He's talking about how there was this one TV show that was on TV. Might've been, God, I don't remember the show, but that the water pressure in cities would go down during commercial breaks to like a startlingly low degree because everybody would go to the bathroom at the exact same yep. time. Well, and the thing is, I think it's because it was one episode a week. So like you spent yep. the week thinking about it and wondering mm-hmm. what would happen. And so like, it's less that like, no DVR, you no were even more present yep. within that show. I, it's I, that you, right. yeah. you got to keep thinking about it and delving into it. And I feel like as a result, the quality of those shows had to be higher because they needed you to come back. Because you couldn't just throw it on I, I wouldn't go hang out with friends when Fresh Prince was on unless I knew they were going to watch Fresh Prince. Uh, X-Files, same thing. Like, I would, I would duck out on going to parties because X-Files was on and I had to see what was going on. That's how I, I was always so mad when they would do, like, the one-off episodes because I'm like, no, I want the story. But then every now and then, the one episode, the one-off episodes mm-hmm. were the ones that were like the creepiest and the most fucked up. And then I would be like, "I'm so glad I'm not around other people because I'm so scared. I'm just gonna go to bed right now." <laughs> and granted, in 2000, I had a VCR that I had set to a timer to record wrestling for me, and then I could scan through the parts I wanted to watch. So I had like a form of DVR. It's not. It's not really. About Did it that. skip the commercials? I skipped the commercials. Yeah, because oh. it was a VCR. Nope. I, I had a VCR that would literally fast forward. I'm some rich boy shit. Damn. Yeah, girl. What? It would record commercials so that when it hit it, when you were doing the playback, it would automatically fast forward through the commercials. Get out of here. No, I did not have that fancy fuck VCR. <laughs> I didn't even have cable. I also didn't have cable. No cable. Nope. I think there was a VCR. I got cable my freshman year in college for the first time. Mm. Had to have cable for pro wrestling. We had a pirate box though, so we didn't pay for that shit. But you cabled that yeah, cable. I uh, that was that was a good time. Also, it was like it was just before people who look like me got vilified for a solid. Well, still they, we still kind of are, but pretty much 2001 was when it was like, uh oh, that guy. But yeah, 2000 was a good time, great year. That's fair. Um, that's that's my answer. I like it, Ben Quam. Do you worry that in the same way that a lot of the movies from that time now don't quite hold up, do you worry that if you were to go back, that your experiences, you'd be looking at them through a different lens? Oh, of course. But I, I think just the very experience of being able to time travel, would I would... I would Outweigh it? Yeah. The, I think the sensory overload and just the euphoria of being able to experience that. Yeah. Like, whoa, I can't believe I'm doing this. Would uh, I'd know what I'm getting into, and I think that a lot of those things would... And also, it might be like a little technology detox even. For sure. Because I like to do that to myself. I do it less and less, and I want to do it more and more. It'd be a great way to be like, rip the Band-Aid off. You yep. can't fucking... And, of course, any era that we're going to select is going to be, by definition, less um, technologically adept. Ooh. So it would be varying degrees of... Being able to do that depending on where whatever time you selected, but yeah, there's something romantic about that. I think that you know people are going to romanticize that more and more too. Not everybody, but 
I mean, I certainly am already. It's something mm-hmm. that I, I think that there are going to be major efforts made to cater to people who want to, like, not have to have their location available to everybody at yeah. all times yeah. and to check everything in and to yeah. take photos of everything and, you know, things that I enjoy as well. I'm not going to lie, of course. But it's nice to, like, have a break from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a, there was a chunk of me that that thought it would be really fun to like go back in time to '99 when I lived in Norway, mm-hmm. knowing what I know about like house music and DJing now and my views on politics. Like I I would view my entire time there a whole lot more. And then there's like there's a chunk of me that would I really got into the idea of like when Europe was in its dark ages and the Middle East was in that boom of like math and astronomy and all that like i love that but if i had to spend a whole year i kept kicking that around i was like if i had to spend a whole year really trying to figure it out and i hadn't really contemplated like language issues and all that i would love whether it was and these are tied whether it was in new york or in paris i would love to have a year in the late 20s when music exploded and cocktails exploded and food actually started being really transferred around where chefs were flying to other cities and trying to bring in different cuisines. I have this like, I have this weird vision. Like we have this like in like, it's like the Baz Luhrmann, great Gatsby idea of what it was all like. And I'm sure everything smelled awful. There was shit everywhere and whatever, but like I kind of, but the nice I, thing about a year is within a day, you just get used to it. Yeah, you get used to it. And I, I, I could still have, like, a hot shower, and I could still, like, have, like, an apartment where I could live. But I would be absolutely fascinated to actually get to see an era that most of my time in the bars has been spent trying to recreate slash celebrate. And... I would love to know what that was like. I would love to be able to hear all of the swing and jazz as it was being played live, not the recordings that we have or the remastered and re-recorded versions that we have. I think that that would be fantastic, and especially if I chose Paris over New York, you have not a perfect amount of it, but a solid amount of like racial... You both, though, because you can... You could travel, yeah. as you said, a time, not, yeah. a, not a place, right? But there's, you know, there's a decent amount of racial equity, especially in, in that I go to El Bui in 2000. I'm, the way I look at this is that yeah. I can move around. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, I and believe like, it was in that era that in Paris, uh, that's when Ada Coleman was yep. running the Savoy. Mm-hmm. Like, I want all of that. I want to show up at the bar and, like, hang out with Hemingway and F. F Scott Fitzgerald and, like, just buy him a drink. And just say, hey, like, whatever. Like, all of that. I think that that would be a fan, like, a fascinating study to see all of the roots of this stuff that we have grown into what the cocktail culture is now. I want to see, like, was it really like this? Or are we creating this, like, pastiche, this, this idea of it? Are we creating our own movie of it? And was that going on? You know, like, I want to go to Harry's when it was opening. There's so many things about that that I think would be fascinating. And you have, at that time, you you have access to wines that are being brought from people's farms in horse carts 
with no label on it. Like, I want to taste those wines. I want to eat that cheese. I want to, all of that. Like, I want to eat what, that cheese. It's kind of a funny thing, right? Say, but I want to eat that cheese. I want to eat that cheese. You know, like I want to. I want to see what New York was like as they were building skyscrapers. I'm fascinated by all of that. Mm-hmm. And that was like it was a mix of like enough of the comfort, the creature comforts that like to be honest, for a whole year, like I need a hot shower. I need a toilet. I need all that. Like, I'm sure I'd figure it out in other times, but like, if this is my chance to kind of do that. I think that would inform... Yeah, you have to get your bearings a little bit, but mm-hmm. you could. You but know. I think that would inform a lot of, like, the things that I love about cooking and the things I love about cocktails and the things that I love about culture. A lot of the roots kind of started in that explosion. Yeah. And that's what I would want to see. And just to be a part of it. Like, to know that, okay, well, this is, this is where, like, jazz started. And then to just, in the back of my head, be like, and that's where all this traced to... And to have, you know, like an, an honest cocktail from somebody back then and just know, like, holy shit. Like, I'm drinking the first time that this guy or made a this. a dishonest cocktail from someone. Yeah. Lie not, to me. Not too dishonest. An honest cocktail from a dishonest bartender is what I always want. <laughs> there you go. Jesus. But, yeah, like, I, I think it would be, it, I, I just think it would be cool. Like, you know, when we look at the, the period costumes, like, everybody looked great. You can't convince me that everybody didn't smell awful. Like, I, even that I'm fascinated by. Like, the perfumes and the colognes from back then were horrid. And then... Which every, then begs the question of how good were the cocktails? Could you taste them exactly, through all that? Exactly. Like, I it's actually like, no want to know. these aren't balanced. Like, was that aroma um, <laughs> component really necessary <laughs> yeah. to the balance of the cocktail? Or did you need that just to make sure that you couldn't smell this guy next to you? reeking of bo through his wool mm-hmm. suit yeah. that he's been wearing for five days yeah you don't want to well, eat that regardless cheese. of how many days he's been wearing it like how does that get washed yeah you had water and maybe soap sixth in the bath you yeah know? <laughs> exactly really? like you're basically in a stew at that point mm. so yeah i i think it would be fascinating to go back to that era like right before sort of what we now know as the start of like modernity like when technology hits, like we have basically the crash, depression, war, and then America booms into the Rockefeller age and it goes from there. Like I, I would be fascinated to see this area that we put on a pedestal so much. Like people throw theme parties for it. People do all this kind of shit. And I would just want to know, like, what was it really like? Yeah. Slash, can I put a bet down? On one team, one time. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, if nothing changes presently, like, I mean, if I can change my current future by going back to a different era for a year, like, then that's potentially a different answer. Yeah. And also, if I can decide that, like, I'm living there for a year and I'm a white dude, potentially a different answer. For sure. (laughs) And it was, yeah. Yeah, I guess, as, as you see the question again, from a privileged point of view, it was just like, I don't know, I'm fascinated. Where would you go? Like, I hadn't thought about if I went back to China and watched, like, as gunpowder was being invented, because there had to have been some hilarious accidents while they were also creating, like... How far back are you standing in this scenario? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, it doesn't matter, you can still see. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
Like I, you just materialize here. Like so many. Oh, it's supposed to be a year, but it was a so day. many <laughs> things that we take like for granted. Like I want to know the process of how you got to there. Like a leaf on rhubarb is poisonous, but the stock tastes like shit. But if you mix it with sugar and cook it long enough, it's good. I would love to watch the people that like. Well, Bill died when he ate the leaf. Mm-hmm. Maybe you try eating the leaf. Oh, he died too. Right. All right, guys. Two guys have died. Yeah, who, figured out, who figured out mushrooms? You know, yeah, like, exactly. Nope. Well, we can't eat that one. Let's make a note. <laughs> Someone draw it. But what oh, about shit, he's, he was the artist. <laughs> Fuck! Damn it! <laughs> like, there's so many things that, like, we just take for granted, but that had to be trial and error. Had to be. Oh, yeah. And so many people have died, like, jackass style. Like, you don't survive. You just die in that stunt. And then they're like, okay, but let's do it again, but change one thing. And people are like, yeah, all right. Too soon, Quam. I wonder how much emotions were different or felt <laughs> Sorry, differently. Sorry, I'm done. Anything can become our normal. Yeah. Like, you think about, like, weird dark place with Stockholm Syndrome. Like, that. Mm-hmm. Like that's what represents that anything can become our normal. So in terms of the fact that, like, child mortality compared to now, like, that people just died so much younger and so much more often, mm-hmm. like, if that's your normal, like, what is that? How does that shift? How does that change? It was, like, and it was seen as like a, a sort of like a necessary evil, you know, like when we were just at the anthropology museum and seeing like the sacrifices that were made of like young, healthy warriors. No, oh, yeah, we gotta. Hey, pal, we gotta we actually. We need to rip your heart out. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I guess it's for the greater good. Yeah. I'm just gonna lay down here, and you guys just. Stab away. Mm-hmm. Well, but, you, know, you know, you're 20, you're going to die in 10 years anyways, and you believe in a thing beyond. Mm-hmm. I, but who knows? Fascinating. Like, I, yeah, like how many of those people went willingly? Like, all we have are the, the stories story written by the people who were paid to write that story. Or the stories written by the people who didn't get chosen to <laughs> exactly, sacrifice. Exactly, exactly. It, it sure does sound nicer when those people were willing. Uh-huh. Do you trust that guy or is he full of shit because uh-huh. he gets elected? Uh-huh. It's, I mean, all that stuff is wild. And, I, like, I, I go down those rabbit holes all the time just thinking about what it must have been like to be in those societies. But in, in thinking of that actual question, I was way more interested in, like, it wasn't that far off where I don't have to learn a different dialect. I don't have to figure something else out. I can literally just exist wearing a different costume. And I'll probably fuck a couple things up, but, like, I feel like I could be undercover enough to sort of be there. I didn't even think about that. Like, where would I go to intentionally fuck some things up? Yeah, oh, the, that's a whole different thing. Right, <laughs> like, where would I go live for a year? Like, can I, like, Matahari... Uh Give or take, 1939. Let's go. Or better yet, like 1935, less security. That's there's a there's a never ending amount of things that we can think about. That's why I love the the playful time traveling questions. Is it's it's always every time I think about it, there's a different answer to that question. Yeah, age the samurai where there were samurai of all different races. You know, like. How cool would that just just to see? Super cool. And fuck, I'm trying to remember the timeline between the, the ascension of Abraham Lincoln as president, last samurai, and the person that took telegraph Humphreys? technology to that basically was the predecessor to faxing. 
Yeah. All occurred within like a 22 year span where there was a chance that a samurai in Japan could send a rudimentary fax to Abraham Lincoln. And like thinking about that breaks my brain. Right. Because that's just not, that's not how I envision any of that. But it's like I looked all of them up and it's 100% real. Well, and I feel like we all landed here because cocktails and spirits are so historically intertwined. Correct. There's so much history and I love it. That's what brings us together. Stories, but stories that have a stronger relationship with the truth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a great way to put it. Holy shit. You can also consider if you want to document things that are not properly documented, like, for instance, the varying races of samurai or Viking. Mm -hmm. One of the most famous samurai of all time time was Yasuke, and he was black. Mm -hmm. People people don't think about that. The Vikings movie... Yeah. Sorry, Tom Cruise, you cannot play him. of the United States and all the settlers coming here from the other side. Mm-hmm. The Vikings didn't give a fuck about where you were from or what oh, you yeah. could do. Was, how did you perform? I wish we, defi- I wish we depicted uh, uh, Vikings more mm-hmm. um, accurately. It, every time a new piece of samurai content comes out, I'm like, oh, it would be really cool if it was multiracial because they absolutely were. They mm-hmm. picked up new recruits all over the world. It wasn't just... The blue-eyed, long, blonde hair guys that you see on shows like Vikings. It was, it was all all walks. Crazy. I think it would be cool to go see Mayan culture at its right? heyday. Like, looking at, Absolutely. at how they figured out, like, astronomy and how they applied the math to that and then figured out how to place things. Like, that blows my mind. Like, I, I still marvel Archaeology. At, like Chichen Itza, like the way that on the solstices the sun comes, I don't understand with today's technology and with like internet programs, I still don't understand how you could figure out how to build a temple that does that that perfectly. But the fact that these dudes did it by inventing the math themselves and then figuring it out, I, I, and I just. And still having it be accurate today? Yep. It's. Mind, mind-boggling. Aliens, man. <laughs> I'm not saying it's aliens. I'm saying it's not aliens. I'm saying that every time you say shit like that, it sells humanity short, and we are capable of so much until we put ourselves in fucking boxes and say that we're not capable of that, and there must be a higher power. But that's just me. I mean, I think the problem is when we put other people in boxes and we of course choose to limit our society. Of course. Fuck them. <laughs> well, we should probably bring this back <laughs> before this gets too wild. So there yeah. we were being samurais. Yep. So with our pepperoni pizza, I mean, pineapple pickles. Literally, if we rode in with pizzas, oh, they'd be mad at us for pineapple pizza for sure. <laughs> Wait, who would the samurais? I don't know. <laughs> they'd be like, "We what appreciate what you're doing, but what is this? Okay, it's pretty good. Yeah, actually, it's pretty it tastes good. nice. <laughs> I mean, it's just like they're just not sure though. Like, is it gonna kill Uncle Tom? Mm, very true. Never seen a pineapple before. Mm-mm. That's Fair. true. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> if people want to know <laughs> more about some of the spirits that we've had, or about uh, Mayan astronomy, uh, or about other things as such, uh, where would they go to look you up to find some of these wonderful spirits? 
I cannot recommend myself less um, for, <laughs> my, for my in astrology. Um, for these spirits, um, save the rum jam. Um, granted, rum jam, other expressions are in market and delicious. Um, New France Wine has a great Instagram. Um, I have a really mediocre Instagram. Um in terms of all of our conversations about separating ourselves from our phones, yeah. um, I don't have to. I never, you know, quite melded with mine. Um, but New France Wine, um, a lot of these, um, I mean, I have favorites. South Lindale does a great job of carrying a lot of these. Certix, France 44, Zips um, are going to carry a lot of these um, that we tasted today but um despite my perfectly mediocre instagram uh feel free to <laughs> message me and i'll tell you where to find the thing um it it's at katie dimmick that's uh, about as original as my instagram gets love it and uh yeah. it's uh, for new france it's just at new france wine i think wine. Just, type, right. just type new france yeah just google new france no matter where you are that it'll i'm i'm certain it'll come yep. up and, um, uh, and I will also co-sign on how incredible the the wine portfolio is there too. And as always, these all of these things we drank, and I didn't comment on all of them because we drank a copious amount of each one. But the that plantation, fantastic. Uh, Black Betty by Rum Jam was fucking great. Um, anybody? Nobody. That cognac is. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what did you ever say? Like, whoa, Black Betty. <laughs> uh, I, That's I, good. I'll, I'll accept it. I can't get over that that cognac. That literally might be the best cognac I've ever had. That, that we have three different expressions from her, so, so I'll make good. sure you try uh, yeah. the other two. I, this one's my favorite. <sighs> Planning on it, uh, Charles. Anything that you want to big up? Nah, man. Nah, man. Well, fuck it. I'll say, uh, please, as always, uh, you know. We haven't talked about it in a while, but, you know, I don't know. Give us a review. Recommend us to friends. Do something proactive. It's always fun to try and get in front of more people. Uh, I am truly blown away every time I look at the map of, like, where people are listening from. And honestly, wherever you are, we appreciate you. We love you. And message us. Let us know what more you want to hear about. What do you, who do you want us to talk to? Keep listening. Keep listening. Follow uh, us on social. No one, I mean, it's the funny thing. No yeah. one follows pod, podcasts on social or we always say that our listenership is so much broader than yeah, it's wild following on it's wild. It, Will it's not the a big deal. But. Pickle podcast be virtual. Uh, I mean, class? we could film it. It's on the dark web. It'll be on the, uh, with the pickle <laughs> podcast is only on the dark web. On, it'll be on dark Brandon. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? <laughs> oh, it's a whole different. I opened up a can of worms. Anyway, uh, keep eating pickles. Keep making soups. Uh, get all the vegetables you can from the farmer's market. And uh, yeah. Fucking A. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>